Will Smith, Nicole Kidman, Denzel Washington, Jessica Chastain, Penelope Cruz, Javier Bardem, and Steven Spielberg are all vying for Oscars this year for some of their most acclaimed work. Well, they're also vying for another prize for some of their most work. It's back. 65 films, 32 spots on the bracket. That's right. It's Marge, which means madness. But instead of finding the greatest, we're looking for the worst. The movies you avoided, hated, or didn't even know existed. We begin the search for the biggest flop of the 21st century. It's the debut of Multiplex Sadness. Plus, the Batman's droppings were fairly small. And the Oscars are two weeks away, so we're counting down with our B-sides. We're going over everything that happened at a theater near you on this, the 190th episode of What's in the Box Office. Hello everyone and welcome to What's in the Box Office, your weekly look at movies and the money they make. Each week we sit down and pour over the weekend's box office returns and tell you what we think they mean for the industry at large. I'm your host, Brian. I'm your host, Noah. And uh, with a such a strong second weekend, do you think the Batman is guano make $300 million? Explain that. Guano, guano is bat poo. The ah, droppings. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it's for sure going to make $300 million. Okay, I, 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 I couldn't decide what like looking at it now obviously 300 is too low of a number it's already at uh two to almost 240 uh but i was i was wor- i was working too hard on the guano sentence my punch up would have been there. um well it seems like a lot of people after they saw it wanted to see it again or or do you think people who are seeing the batman this means that they want to see it again okay that is good i Alternatively, I was going to suggest that, in fact, uh, many of the flops that we're going to be discussing mm-hmm. are uh, some of the least work that uh, those stars and filmmakers have ever done. Uh, got to imagine some of the failures uh, resulted from just phoning it in. We're looking at you. Um, hmm. Let's say Jessica Chastain in Dark Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God. I distinctly remember the lack of enthusiasm in her performance. Do you know the other ones? That I, no, I, the other people that I listed. Do you know Will Smith's contribution? I, I After Earth yeah. uh, comes to mind. Nicole Kidman, she got a couple. Uh, yeah, Nicole Kidman I know is in uh, the Bear movie. Uh, the one we watched. I know, I know. The Golden Compass is what it is. Trials of the Invasion. Yes, Bewitched. yes, yes. Uh, uh, Denzel. Denzel, uh, yeah, hang on, hang on, uh, yeah, three movies for Denzel, uh, no, no, I'm, yeah, okay, I, 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 I got it. It was going to be hard to get. Yeah, Brian's trying to signal me the taking of Pelham. It's one, it was going to be hard to get. Chastain, Dark Phoenix, Penelope Cruz, Sahara, Javier Bardem, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Was he the villain in that, or was it on Stranger Tides? No, uh, I think it was. I'm sure I don't remember. <laughs> I want to say Stranger Tides, but. Who on earth Who knows? Who's the villain in Dead Man? I don't know. Uh, and Steven Spielberg, the BFG. Yes. Yeah. They're all part of it. I. But before we get to that. Yes, let's get into uh, get into our top five. Uh, what didn't get mentioned uh, in this big intro because there's so much uh, so much fun stuff going on. Uh, BTS had a very long titled. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about it. Yeah, I know, but uh, I'm just I'm bringing it up for oh, the first time now five. to lead into my That's top right. five. Uh, BTS I had a concert chart doc. And I thought, no, no, what no, no, are you no. doing? Yeah, I'm starting with BTS at three. I uh, 
BTS, uh, many fans, I, I have no issue with them, though I would not number myself among one of their fans. Uh, so it's the R, R, is they even army? Is that what they're called? Uh, I do not know yeah, this. I think it's the BTS army. Okay. So they the can do better are. than that. Well, uh, yeah. Tell it to the billions uh, of them. BTS scouts. I don't know. It needs work. It's better than ARMY, but it's not there yet. Uh, anyway, so I've listed the uh, top five bands I would want to watch in a concert doc. Uh, okay. Because these are uh, my top five. I've done this uh, I've done this pretty quickly, as I do most of these, so I'm certain I've left out a number of good options. Uh, number five, uh, I've gone with Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, these all have to be alive, active bands? No, they do not. Great. Uh, and if, they, if we just to clarify for the docs... Do they have to take place in 2021, like they're doing a new concert, or no. are you picking? Are you picking a time and place as well, or not? Uh, I am not picking a specific time and place for all of them. But okay. for instance, uh, for the Pearl Jam doc, uh, mm-hmm. because I know that at least one concert doc does exist. They're uh, right. Uh, Let's play two. Yeah. I think they called mm-hmm. it tie-in with the Cubs World Series. Uh, I'd want Pearl Jam at like the height of grunge in the 90s. Okay. Uh, I think uh, for my money, they would be the most uh, the most fun concert experience to watch mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the biggest combo of music that i really like and kind of i uh, broad uh, broad fun that you get in a concert uh soundgarden might be my favorite of the big four grunge bands but they're just a little a little really? darker a little I more esoteric I, I would have always said pearl jam i mean it's i i say might because them and pearl jam are neck and neck mm-hmm. but i think pearl jam I feel like would be a definitively uh, cooler concert experience. I uh, so they come in at number five. I uh, number four uh, something for this list. I did try to uh, try to avoid big bands with uh, docs I already know exist. Uh, for instance, I did not end up listing Led Zeppelin because they do have uh, at least one. The song remains the same. That is like a big part of their discography. Number four is an exception. I went with the Avit Brothers. Uh, specifically because, and I don't think this is a concert doc, but there is a, a Judd Apatow produced, uh, I don't think directed, but produced a documentary about I th- that. I know he, I think he directed Did it. Did he? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, made that for HBO uh, a number of years ago. Uh, it's on the list because it's been like at the front of my mind Did recently. You watch it? I have not seen it, but I, uh, I have, I well, have you, been thinking. You, you hate Judd Apatow. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the problem. I, I have been thinking uh, for years, kind of passively, oh, I should watch that. And recently, that's just been building up more, and it's been like right at the forefront of mm-hmm. my mind. Like, I really got to watch that. I'm very interested. Uh, it's only at four because I haven't watched it yet, so obviously I'm only so interested. But uh, but yes, I really do want to watch that movie. And I really like the Avid Brothers, and I think uh, they make a great doc. Number three, I went with the Mountain Goats. Uh, you and I saw them in concert uh, both for the first time. Yeah. Uh, Last year, uh, it was a great concert-going experience. Mm-hmm. The uh, Mountain Goats have a very particular and dedicated fan base that makes for a unique concert experience, and I think that would translate very well to a uh, concert documentary uh, for the watching. Number two, I went with the White Stripes, a band that I still somewhat frequently will just find clips of their live shows uh them performing certain songs live certain certain covers certain guitar solos uh you know you can watch you can watch the white stripes do ball and biscuit live five different times and it's just five different songs 
Uh, Jack White is uh, absolutely one of my favorite musicians ever, and uh, would just be would just be incredible to watch uh, to watch the White Stripes doing a uh, full concert doc. Number one, I went with the Grateful Dead, who I think are another uh, another band much like the Mountain Goats that uh, simultaneously make great music that I love and have a very specific and dedicated fan base and uh, would just make for a very uh, a very interesting picture. Yeah. Uh, and for the for the Grateful Dead one in particular, I was kind of picturing a uh, a sort of Peter Jackson esque. Uh, there's there's got to be a hundred million hours of footage of the Grateful Dead that's been shot on camcorders and semi-professional cameras and probably some professional cameras as well. Uh, and for someone to sift through uh, all of that and turn it into a coherent uh, thought would, to me, be uh, very cool. Uh, mine in no particular order when I say concert doc I want a documentary about the making of the album song by song and then intersplice that with footage of them performing the song okay that they made this but, is a, this is a uh, this is a cool setup but I want like the writing process and the mixing the the instrumentation so um so we'll start with the the roots uh 2011's undone the okay. song that's um uh concept album told backwards uh at this big beginning of the album somebody dies and we learn about them in reverse time i think that'd be cool figure out how they conceive that uh 2000 stankonia uh by outcast just the 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 incredible <laughs> gasoline dream so fresh so clean mrs jackson bob just astonishing lineup of uh bobs on that also the white stripes 2003's elephant which again just has the Benefit of having a thousand of their best songs on it. Yeah. Seven Nation Army. I just don't know what to do with myself. In the cold, cold night, Balm Biscuit, Hardest Button to Button. Just wild. Um, songs in the Key of Life, 1976, Stevie Wonder, uh, which again is his, it's truly his magnum opus. It's very long, but it's got Sir Duke, I Wish, As, Isn't She Lovely, another star on it. And just a monumental album um, that I'd love to see him perform and see how he wrote it and despite uh uh the mixed results and lack of point of view in genius a kanye trilogy um which uh plays like a tragedy uh, as it goes on um so in that regard well done but the voiceover really kills it where he's like but i loved kanye and i'll always be there for him and he's great and i'm like okay well Without that, this is a tragedy, <laughs> because the end of it, he's watching a clip of Tucker Carlson and being like, yes, this guy gets it. Um, but fascinating, fascinating work. But, uh, I mean, come on, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, the darkest sure. time of his of his career so far. Um, how does he pull that off? Would love Pretty to well. see. Would love to see those Hawaii's, because if he recorded it all in Hawaii, I think, I would love to see those sessions and then uh, see him perform and stuff, so... Uh, that is a great lineup. I did kind of regret uh, not having any hip hop on my list, and I think uh, I think Outcast would probably be yeah. uh, someone I'd want to sub in there. I, I think maybe, they would be a a very cool concert to watch. I was maybe the Black Album it was supposed to be Jay Z's oh, sure. final album. Okay, so seeing him put all that together. Uh, yeah. 
Good picks all. Yeah. Uh, and now into our actual top five at the appropriate and correct point of the podcast lineup. Uh, number one was The Batman. Uh, made $66.5 million with a 50.4% drop. That is up to $239 million total. Uncharted came in at number two once again with $9.2 million. Only a 16.7% drop. That seems quite strong. Uh, that is a total of 113.3 so far. BTS Permission to Dance on Stage Soul colon Live Viewing opened to $6.8 million. That was only in 803 theaters, so that's a particularly interesting number, I think. Mm-hmm. We'll find out if that's true when we throw to you in a minute. Number four was Dog with $5.2 million. Uh, 14.8% drop. Uh, that is up to 47.6. And five was Spider-Man No Way Home with $4 million, a 10.4% drop. A lot of very small drops this weekend. Uh, that is up to $792.2 million. Yeah, it's been a theme. There were small drops last weekend as well. Um, and it, it's, it's been a theme where uh, the movie, the top movie makes the money and then everything else also makes the money. People are going to see movies more consistently, um, even if it's not in giant numbers. But what is a giant number is uh, The Batman, $66 million second weekend. As you said, 50% drop, 239 total. And uh, worldwide, we are at 465. So what's notable, uh, it's a great hold for a blockbuster. It's the best, um, second best hold of any Warner Brothers blockbuster. And um, what's interesting is because they had those previews on Wednesday and Thursday, if you took those out and just did a weekend to a weekend... This is an even better hold. So more, do you, you know what I mean? Is I do. You, yeah. So this is uh, this is great. The movie, people are saying it now has a shot at getting you know four hundred millions in the bag. I find that to be a little presumptuous. It made sixty six this weekend, and it'll need two hundred. It'll be a hundred and sixty million more to get to four hundred. And next weekend, it's gonna make you know. 35, 40, if it's lucky. So we will have to see. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but this is a huge hit. One that has more staying power than I thought, especially after seeing it. Um, and uh, a billion is probably not going to happen, but also not out of the question. This is a big hit, and we should get, be getting that sequel news pretty, pretty soon. Um, you know, and it's the kind of thing where you look at that number, and, you know, another movie could have opened. This weekend, with that number, the idea that you know Disney Plus, Disney, moved to turning red to theaters. This would have been, that would have been perfect counter programming for the Batman. And even if turning red only made like thirty, because animated movies are just harder to sell, and Pixar's not the king of the mountain anymore, uh, and it won't be if you keep releasing it on your streaming service. That. Turning Red could obviously have thrived in this environment, um, especially at, with just a $66 million competitor. Come on. Sure. Come on. And it, with the, you know, I'm still, I'm still just focused on all of these, uh, all of these hugely small drops. There was clearly an appetite for movie going this yes, weekend. Of course. That, that That's why Sing 2 is in its 12th weekend and still making a buck and a half. I mean, it's, 
This isn't hard. If, 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 if let's say Sing opened to a generous forty million, it was okay. a little more than Onward, their last theatrical release. You add that with the Batman's total, and it's still like twenty million below what the Batman opened to last weekend. So the dollars are out there. I'm not saying that audiences are going to spend the same amount of money each weekend, but they're out there. People want to go to the movies, which gives me. Which I think is making Paramount look at shops for Sonic 2. Because there's not going to be a kid-targeted thing out there till then. And the first one was very well-liked and had great legs. And so there's going to be a huge appetite for a, for a, just a, a kid movie. And Sonic 2 is going to really is a chance at kind of exploding in, a, in April. But people were afraid and they shouldn't have been. The Batman made its money. It's a huge hit. But other things could have as well. Yeah, this, uh, how much do you think, like, I think how, a lot, how much stock do you put in the strong box office trends we've been seeing over the past? Are you looking back and seeing so? the small, the small drops too? Uh, not, not just the small drops, but like, you know, uh, oh, Unch- like Uncharted opened very strong, dog. Uh, Dog did uh, dog did very well Jackass, for what dog scream. is. Yeah, oh, yeah. All of everything's the... everything is aside from Death on the Nile, um, is really opening to best case scenario for the in in a healthy marketplace. Right. It's Jackass forever might have gone a little bigger, but pretty much everything is best case scenario, um, and it's showing me that people are ready to go to the movies. And this summer, all those movies are going to be fine. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch today. Oh, what did he say? He said, if they can pull it off, meaning like if the movie pulls off what we did, um, I see no reason why Doctor Strange 2 isn't going to be as big as Spider-Man. And I'm I'm planting that flag, was his quote. Okay. And I just like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't care if you have Hugh Jackman as Wolverine again. Uh He's no one in that as Spider-Man. Even if Spider-Man was in it, it's not Spider-Man, dude. No, we just... Dude. Yeah. That's there are no eight-year-olds with Doctor Strange pajamas, Doctor Strange bedsheets, or they're not dressing up as Doctor Strange on Halloween. You're out of your mind. It'd be a very complicated Halloween costume. Do you know who really loves Spider-Man? Everyone on Earth? No, specifically. Oh, uh, eight-year-olds? My mom. Your mom? She loves Spidey. Yeah. She loves seeing him swing through New York. She's a big Spidey fan. When he came back through that portal, she out loud in the theater went, Spidey! She loves Spidey. She doesn't give a shit about Doctor Strange. No, he does not have the same crossover appeal. <laughs> your mom, your mom, for any listeners at home uh, who don't know her as well, not like a diehard MCU type. No, uh, I had to prep her for uh, friend game. Right. So, uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's one of those things that's like obviously not true. Uh, and I, I, I have to, I have to believe he doesn't believe, and it's just kind of. Like going going all out to promote his thing. Like, yeah. oh, Spider Man did it. I'm gonna do it. He's We're not, all the, first, gonna he's do not it. the first person that I've seen say that like it could be it could be bigger than if there if if there are any actual like if there's any punditry going on that's saying, I don't know, Doctor Strange, that's a that's a that's a different uh, What would a, Doctor Strange need take. to have to make it as big as uh, Spider Man? To get that gross. I I mean I, tr- I truly don't think it's possible, so my answer is going to be 
like completely like, redi- like completely ridiculous, okay. but Batman. I think, <laughs> oh, wow. like some 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 kind of Marvel DC crossover. See, in my mind, it's uh, Evans and uh, Downey. Yeah, maybe I. I don't know. I don't. I don't see it happening within the strictures of what Marvel has available to them. Yeah. Because even. Even even them, like, I don't, I don't know that they've been gone long enough for their return to be that's, that's the possible. big thing. Or um, this, the X-Men are played by BTS. Sure. Speaking of which. Strong transition. BTS, Permission to Dance on Stage, Soul Live Viewing, made six... Point eight million dollars in eight hundred theaters, eight thousand dollar per theater average. Mm-hmm. You said um, that's a big opening, or that opened. It also closed. That was a one day only oh, viewing experience. So it made that much oh, money. Live viewing. Yeah, it was uh, live streamed, although obviously with some delays for those sure. of us here in America. But it was a it was a live viewing. Um, tickets were more expensive, but yeah, it was live streaming of their first concert in like three years. Okay, so that wasn't that wasn't even a one day affair. That was just like a was, one yeah. time. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so that's one showtime. Uh, that's on. It's unprecedented. Eight thousand uh, dollars for one showtime in 800 theaters worldwide. It made $32 million, which is crazy considering that I didn't know it existed, you didn't know it existed, and yet it made more worldwide than most big movies that we all have heard yeah. <laughs> this past year. Those uh, those BTS kids, they're uh, they're doing something right. They're doing something Good right. Good for them. Yep. And I've s- never heard a bad thing about any of them, so... Me neither. In our spotlight, we only got one. Uncharted, as you mentioned, uh, had another small drop. It's going to sail over. Well, uh, no pun intended, but it's fun anyway, considering the end of the movie. Sail over, right, because the ships are in the air. Uh, 120, maybe even 130 domestic, but worldwide, it crossed $300 million on its way to about 350, possibly a little higher than that. Um, Yeah, just... Just a huge hit. Big hit, big hit. Very cool. Yeah, that's the milestone there, and that's all I have for this weekend. All right. Well, we got uh, a lot ahead of us yet, so let's move into yeah. uh, everybody's favorite game. Did, Did it make, make more or less than, less than Ted? Ted? We all know how to play. I name a movie. You tell me whether it made more or less than Ted, etc., and so on. The bonus points. Let's re- let's play. Wow. <laughs> I, I Saving those precious 10 seconds. Indeed. I love it. Go ahead. I, your first film is... Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Fantastic Beasts and How to Cook Them. Um, that made more. That did make more. And that came out in 2016. This uh, this movie, that is correct. Uh, Just after the election. Famously uh, partially advertised on the strength of its uh, female lead uh, and... I'm just, I don't know if that's true. Just a, I'm just, I'm just saying. When Fantastic Beasts three and the Secrets of Dumbledore is what it's called. I got there. Uh, when it doesn't do as well, compare the marketing. Yeah, and, it's called Fantastic Beasts three and the Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic yeah. Beasts three <laughs> colon and the Secrets of Dumbledore. 
it might as well be. Sure. I. Uh, yeah, I'm. Just, I'm just saying. I think you can draw a straight line. I can't Success wait to see. more than Ted. I uh, had a uh, Catherine, Catherine Watterson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, failure. She was also less in, than Ted. She was also in the second one. Catherine Watterson nowhere to be found. She was also in the second one. Yeah, and th- I bet this one's gonna do do worse. Probably. Yet. Yeah. I. Uh, your second film is 300. It's going to be so funny if when she's in the entire movie, like the whole way. I, I, I don't see how she can be. Unless they kill her early. They don't have any footage. Not uh, not out of spite, just out of like some kind of story thing. You know? Sure. But anyway, I don't know. I, What'd you say? Your second film is 300. The uh, action less. equivalent of Ted. Less. Uh, it is less, yes. 2007. Also correct. Yeah. I... Do you think the Venn diagram of people that like 300 and people that like Ted is just one big circle? <laughs> I feel I feel like it's the exact same demographic, you know? Probably. I didn't like either, so I'm outside of that circle. Uh, sure, that's fair. Yeah. I, I recall Ted being, uh, you know, not as big as everyone made it out to be, but uh, better than I would have thought. Uh, anyway, your third film, uh, much better than both, is Coco. Coco. Remember me. How less. could I forget? That is correct. Coco made less. 2000, 2017. Yes. Yes. Ten years uh, after. And one year after Fantastic Beasts and How to Fuck Them. Indeed. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts and Where Their Butts Are. <laughs> I like that that's about, like, it's about the beasts, <laughs> but also we will tell you where their butts are. Yeah. That's crucial. That's funny. Uh, thank you. Uh, come and gone from a theater near you, Brian. Are you ready to go back in time? Yeah. All right. Let's do, uh, speaking of, yeah. 2017. All right. Uh, this is uh, week 10. What's the date? 2017. March 10th. One movie. Pa- open number one. Pacific Rim Uprising. No. Uh, Boss Baby. No. <sighs> Thought I had it. Home. Home? Yeah, the no. movie Home. No. Um, hmm, Tomb Raider. No. no. These are all 2018. What am I doing? Uh, well, not uh, home. Um, hmm. Was I close to any of those? No. Okay, great. Give me some clues. We got too much to do today. Okay. Uh, you are looking at the... Uh, Remember me. Uh, this is a franchise entry. Uh, whether... You could call it the start of its own franchise. You could call it the continuation of a larger franchise. So it's a spin-off. I. No, not really. No, I... it's a direct sequel. It could be a spin-off. It could, could lead to other. What's the term you used? What's I... the term you used? Franchise. No, I... You said it could. Could. Oh, I, it's a. a it could be considered the start of its own thing or the continuation well, like of a, a larger Batman thing. Movie. I know, but close? No, I mean it's it's not <laughs> like it's not a similar movie at all. Oh. But I'm I'm trying to think if that's a, a spiritual similar. Lego Batman's in the Lego movie, right? Yeah, Lego Batman is. Yeah. Okay. I. This so yeah, one, it is not. This, so th- this character is not within the world that the fir- original correct. Film was. It is oh, its own. Kong Skull Island. Yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. There you go. <sighs> Kong, on the one hand, his own distinct thing. On the other hand, it's all just kind of been leading to the Kong Godzilla. Kong. Uh, Godzilla's Kong. Dawn of Justice. 
Well, that opened well. I think it was in the 30, the 30s, though. But, no, that seems too small. I can't imagine. I don't think it opened to 50. Uh, I'll say, like, 38. I really don't know. This is a, This might be among your biggest misses <laughs> on uh, Come and Gone from a theater near you. Was it, like, 63? 61. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kong, Kong Skull Island opened to about double. That's big. Yeah, it is big. big. wasn't 50, though. You were right. <laughs> I got it on the second try. Was I, it 63? Yeah, that is a uh, all right. that is all we had opening. Very limited opening of Personal Shopper. Oh, uh, you may uh, you may recall Great the, movie. Uh, yeah, that movie was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, good top three this weekend: Kong Skull Island, oh, Logan, and Get movie. Out. Sure. Uh, I mean, like Kong Skull Island's fine, but uh, <laughs> Logan's good. Get yeah. Out's the best movie that year. Yeah. Um. What What was Get Out's uh, gross decline in total? I, what weekend was it? In? So this was in its third weekend. It made twenty million dollars, twenty point <laughs> seven. It was a twenty six and a half percent drop. Yeah, it, was. it had reached one hundred and ten. Wow, I know. Love it. Pretty good. All right, good stuff. Oscars are soon. Love that too. Um, big days happening. It's very exciting. Even though they're gonna fuck with the telecast. How do you feel about that? Stupid. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's pretty stupid, and will make room for three hosts. So achieve we cut all the very little. Very little. That's a, like they're they're going to save ten minutes by doing this. Yeah. and the the Oscars are not ten minutes away from getting their audience back. So, so just why bother? Yeah, uh, if they're if they were going to make a move that was going to shave off an hour of the show, yeah. I I personally would object because I like it as it is, et cetera, and so on. We've yeah. talked about this it's many times. It's extravagant. It's but, um, indulgent. Yes, it yeah. is. I And I, truthfully, I don't think that shaving an hour off the show will get the audience back either. No. I, but at least I, I would understand the purpose. I, okay, sure, sure, that, sure. This just, I just... It, it may it annoys us and yeah. those of us that still watch the Oscars, and means nothing no. to the people that are not watching the show. No. So it's so it's empty and dumb, stupid. All right, but our award show is great, crucial, and full. Yeah, um, the B sides. We we came up. This is the eighth annual Pod Academy Award B sides. Eighth. It's very exciting. I have all the previous winners here on a spreadsheet. Um, we came up with these categories, and we like to give out Oscars to Oscar to categories that don't exist. We like to make up our own, and yeah. these are just fun ones. So anyone can pick the best actor. That's true. They don't always pick it well. They rarely pick it well, in fact, in recent history. But uh, but still, it doesn't take a lot of imagination. What we're doing takes imagination. Damn it! It takes imagination. So. We got a bunch of categories here. Well, I don't swear you do. Um, the first being best debut of the year. Former winners have included Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. So this this they could have done things before. This is their debut to the main. Show. Sure, this is not dissimilar to like best new artist at the right. Grammys. Timothy Chalamet for Call Me by Your Name and Lady Bird. Kevin Garnett for Uncut Gems. And uh, last year we had the same. You know, I also did this. We've We've had the same answer uh, 14 times for um, 
any category. Okay. Last year for best debut, we had the same answer. Remember what it was? Uh, I do not. Maria no. Bakalova oh, sure. in Borat's subsequent movie film. This year, your best debut, Noah, goes to who? I uh, I suspect there's a decent chance of a uh, I had three repeat options. here as well. Uh, I I had two, uh, but I, I picked this one pretty early. I think this one was uh, one of the clearest winners for me in Alana Heim for Licorice Pizza. Okay, not my choice. I had oh, both leads of yeah. Licorice Pizza, but no, I did not pick them. Um, go ahead, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, I mean, just a just an incredible performance right out of the gate. Yeah. Like I, I, I double checked uh, to see if she'd been like in some small movies or on TV or something. And as far as IMDb can tell a uh, bunch of high music videos, but is not an actress otherwise. Uh, and just comes off like a, like an A-lister, like a, like a superstar. She's completely magnetic on the screen the whole time. And she is the star of the movie. And just could could not have done a better job. I, I do not keep my own like Oscars uh, in the way that you do. You have suggested I should, and uh, I, I, want, I think you absolutely want, should. Yeah, I. But I I feel pretty strongly that were I keeping track, she would probably win Best Actress mm. for me. Interesting. Uh, and just I, I don't think it could have come out stronger. Well, I agree wholeheartedly. My runner-up also was Questlove for directing Summer of Soul. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But uh, I went with an actress as well, but one who isn't in my five, which was Rachel Zegler in West Side Story. Oh, sure, sure. She just missed my five for Best Actress so far. Alana Heim still in my five, and I'll tell you the difference. Uh. Alana Heim has acted before. Smaller thing. She was in that uh, um, Bash Brothers uh, um, Lonely Island thing on Netflix for Reef. She's okay. done all her uh, intricate music videos. She's also a performer. She's gone on tours, performed for years and years. Rachel Zegler got cast out of high school where she did plays, um, and she had acted. But to come into such an iconic role in such an iconic film by an iconic director at 18 years old and command the screen that she, how she commanded it. It's unreal. So I give it to Zegler based on the level of difficulty, um, and expectation in that scenario. Heim was a surprise. Zegler, we were all like, you better be good here. Yeah. <laughs> because this is Maria in West Side Story. And she went above and beyond. I uh, I agree. I think that is a uh, that is a good pick. That justification makes sense. Yeah. I uh, you know Heim Heim wasn't wasn't an actress, but she was in show business, uh, and has just grown up with yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson as, as a close friend. family friend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. He wrote the role for her. Yeah. All right. Best character of the year. Former winners have included Ricky Baker in Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, let's see. Ava in Ex Machina. Howard Ratner in Uncut Gems. That was one we both agreed on Okay, two years ago. And uh, Barb and Star in Barb's Orgo Go to Visit Del Mar. Uh, another one we... Movie uh, you refuse to see. Yes. And Refuse is strong. Um, I don't think it does anyone any good for me to see that movie. Well, you might like it. Who gets your pick? I. So when doing these, I... I like to try as best I can to vary my lists. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I'm not I'm not going to pick something that's well well below something else just for variety, but I'll sometimes use it as a tiebreaker. I here I could not justify it to myself. My mm. best character went to Alana from Licorice Pizza. Yes, uh, a a oh. repeat back to back win. Okay, uh, for the real Ooh. Alana and the fictional one. Thank God it's nominated for something because you know it might it probably won't get a sequel. Yeah, I know, but it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty well wrapped up. <laughs> um, well, my my runners up were. Oh, did you have more to say? I no, I mean I don't. Uh, I think it, it's pretty pretty similar to the best debut. I think the character is incredibly well written. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, you know I've talked about this a lot. I think these things are often often go hand in hand. I think it's it's hard to have a truly excellent performance in a bad movie mm-hmm. in a poorly written movie because the material is just not there for you to act with at a certain point. I, and this, uh, this, this material was incredible. She's a very, very messy, very funny, very, uh, just complex and complete person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the, her, her performance and the character went, went hand in hand and both excelled. Uh, my runner up was Alexia slash Adrian in Titan. Okay. Um, such an interesting kind of enigma of a character. One that you, the surprises keep happening in that. Like they, they don't tell you anything about her. You are shown everything, and it is shocking every time you yes, see something happen. That, that is very true. That's a good call. She's a very, uh, very fascinating person. Uh, but no, I'm going with the tie, and it's uh, the tie that I almost gave best debut. It is Gary Valentine and Alana Kane. In Licorice Pizza. Okay. I don't think I can have one without the other in Best Character. There were two halves of a whole. They were a yin and a yang. And uh, together they were harmonious. They they were they brought peace to each other. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, nothing. I, uh, I thought you might have been uh, might have been moving on, but keep, uh, keep no, going. No, just so, so intricately drawn. Um, you know who they are immediately. And it goes into the performances as well. But just the overconfidence of both of them um trying to almost outconfident each other the the pride that they both have make them so complicated in the sense that they both it's a love story um even if by the end of it it could be you know uh not paternal What's like uh, a non-sexual yeah. love? Why can't I think? Oh, of uh, platonic. Yeah, platonic. Even though it could just be platonic, it depends on how you read the film. But um, no, the idea that uh, that they want to impress each other and they want to stay one up on each other, um, but they're so insecure about it. Just, just incredible to watch those two kind of battle the whole movie. Yes, I uh, I completely agree. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out, I did uh, I did have a runner-up for this that oh. I neglected to mention uh, when it was my turn. Uh, King Charles VI, uh, Ben Affleck's character in The Last Duel. Great call. Uh, just from a... Did I just have to take him out of my... I think I just had to take him out of my five for supporting. That is uh, distressing, but I'm sure uh, ultimately <laughs> justified. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's great, and just from a zany, fun perspective, like... Affleck is uh, the most is, fun. Affleck, Affleck, is, Affleck is two for two in the like old timey, uh, old timey medieval dude uh, we'll being Shakespeare in love. Oh yeah, 
He's great. Just just being like a like a weird jock he's blowhard. Great he's great. In Shakespeare in love. Uh, yeah, and he's great in the last duel too. Oh, last incredible. duel rules. It's like the most fun that he's he's had in a while in that movie. Uh, all right, most deserving of a sequel it won't get. Films that we don't now we have been wrong before. Yes, as I famously, my my first award went to John Wick. Sure, which I, did get a sequel. At one point, I remember picking uh, Thor Ragnarok. You did pick Thor Ragnarok, which is getting a sequel. And like I even at the time, I I specified like I know this is going to get a sequel probably, but yeah. it's not going to be a Taika sequel. Yeah. And of course, it's the exact it's same going thing. to be even weirder. It's got the Guardians in it. Um, and Natalie Portman's back. <laughs> she's back. And Christian Bale's the villain. So. Dope. Um, other other winners of this award. Uh, the Nice Guys. A Simple Favor. And Happy Death Day to you. Yes. So we have never crossed over the same one here. That's very interesting. I have. We, we might this year. No, we won't. Okay. I have um, two runners up and I, I really was struggling with it because I really my first instinct was the Matrix Resurrections okay because the way that they ended that was fast like I, I now I want to see spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it I want to see Trinity and Neo like fight other people together like, I want to see her have the powers and and use them and stuff like that I want to see Trinity bullet time you know what I mean yeah um, now they're on the same playing field let them play and I also put um, all right I'm gonna solidify my answer I also put uh, bad trip the Eric Andre okay uh, film because it was it was a prank film it was a hidden camera thing but it had so much heart which made it really sweet and fun but uh, I am going with a th- uh, th- th- a film that did get sort of a sequel on television, but I don't think we'll ever see it theatrically again, and it is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. That is, from a perspective of us matching up, very frustrating, because what? I pivoted away from The Suicide Squad <laughs> at the last and minute. And Bad Trip? No. Uh, <laughs> for For exactly that reason, and that... It all it already kind I'm, of has a sequel, but it's just one character and like not my favorite of those. Yeah, sure. And we're not going to see that team again. Is yeah. my issue and those visuals, you sure. know. Um, so yeah, it, it and, is, and I am not watching Peacemaker. Right, so. and 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 also like the Suicide Squad uh, was born of that brief moment when James Gunn was fired and was a free oh, yeah. agent. Absolutely, and, like now he's back in the Disney camp, so he's probably not available for the Suicide Squad too. Well, he is. Um, this is his, this is the last Guardians movie, so he says. Okay, but so then I think he'll be free. But he's also got this TV show and other shit. But yeah, I just like this group of people. Those performances that he got, the way that he wrote those characters was so funny and fresh, and the way it should be done. And and those dirty, colorful visuals was it was a great palette in that movie, and it was a blast. And so yeah, I'm gonna miss him getting other obscure characters to play with together on the big screen. I, 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 com- I completely agree. And, uh, but it didn't make the was, money. was so, was so close to being my pick. Instead, I went with a movie that I'm, this is a, this is a theoretical pick because I did not enjoy this movie when I watched it, Ooh, but as time continues to pass, uh, I'm more and more thinking 
Not that that was my fault, but just that it was it was the the situation. It it, it just didn't work. It wasn't the right time for whatever reason. Me watching this, this movie, I. But I do really respect what it was doing. I respect the people that made it, and I would not mind seeing them take another crack at *Malignant*. See, I *Malignant* might come up later, um, and I didn't want to double dip. But also, like I could see a world where Aquaman makes you know another billion uh-huh. in some change, and James Bond's like. I'm uh, animal malignant sequel. Warner Bros. is like, yeah, okay, sure. Can you also sign on Aquaman three? He's like, eh, if you throw a malignant sequel, in yeah, because that's how I, I got the first one. I, I I completely agree. I think this category was Hard. harder than it's, it's ever been. Yeah, because it just increasingly <laughs> movies these days. Uh, much as this is not a new observation uh, by any stretch, but movies are basically either Spider Man or the Power of the Dog. Uh, it's a good way to put it. It's it's like big movie that is a sequel and will be getting three more sequels for sure. Or it's or it's like, like a licorice pizza and I go like I'd like to see those characters again. You know? Yeah, which, but which it doesn't Yeah, count. but it's but it's not yeah. There is there because is the not idea a built in like genre premise here. Right. It's just an isolated thing that's very good and small. Uh yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, some of uh, our past picks. Like the nice guys, a simple favor. Both movies that I actively thought of, uh, and many many people have said, just don't exist anymore, and that's a bummer. Yeah, I I I, I said blockers one year. Yeah, it also no. doesn't exist anymore. No. Um. Yeah. This was looking on the list. This was just hard to come up, you know, because you're thinking like, okay, well, do I just say like another Daniel Craig Bond? But like, I really loved how that one ended, so yeah. I don't want to say that. I agree. Quiet Place is going to get a sequel, and then everything else is either going to get a sequel or you're just extending a closed story, and it's strange. Right. So, yeah, it's tough, but uh, Malignant's a good answer. There I is a, approve. There is one more movie that I'm uh, I'm not going to name as a runner-up because it will be coming up for me later. Okay. I, you'll, let, I, you'll let us know when we get to it. Yes. Next category, best movie not nominated for, and I've changed it to an Oscar. Okay, this is I was going to clarify because, because we I, always clarify. I ask every year. We always clarify it. I think I've asked a few years, and you've yeah. also said Oscar because okay. it's it's tough. Then you got to research all these things. I think Oscar's just a clue. One that should have been nominated but isn't, right? Yeah, I so mean the, this just goes to the top of your list. The first movie, the highest movie on your list, not nominated for an Oscar gets the yes. pick. Past winners have included. Um, the Invisible Man, never, rarely, sometimes, always. You must not have seen that yet, because <laughs> you put The Invisible Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, never, rarely, sometimes, always did not. I didn't watch that until like right before. Yeah, finalizing and that was your list. favorite of the year. So that yeah, uh, Good Time, Hunt for the Wilder People again. I already said that. I shouldn't have said that again. Eighth Grade. What do you have this year? This year, uh, all right. I we had, might have the uh, same one here. I came, I came prepared with two, uh, and well, just in case it was, uh, in case it was not nominated for a major award, because this movie was nominated for a BAFTA, which I think would have excluded it. I think but, we have the same one. Uh, is is it? Come on, come on. Yep. Yeah. There it is. I We've matched up. Another, another, another movie. Like I don't want a sequel to. It was just outstanding. I uh, just, uh, you know. The, the exact opposite of Joaquin Phoenix being the Joker. Yeah. Uh, incredibly uh, incredibly emotional and 
all about like, memory it really yeah. hits you yeah it it hits you and it ta- it talks about something that like the, the the themes of this movie are not something that i recall coming up a lot the way that the way that life just kind of fades into uh, the the tapestry of uh, of the background of who you are yeah uh, these these major these major events this time this time you spend with your uncle in new york as a child just by by a wide margin the most interesting thing that's ever happened to you and it's you're happy and you're sad and it's uh, yeah. yeah you might remember doing it but you won't remember the specifics of yeah it. it is it is you know in in 10 years will be one of the coolest thing that's happened to you and another 10 years will just kind of will continually just fade and become part of who you are but the main thesis of it is like i love that joaquin keeps saying they have this conversation i think twice yeah and the kid and he says to the kid you're not going to remember this and the kid says yes he goes no you won't i will you know which is true i he's you remember things as you get older the more recent things happen to you so joaquin will remember the time they spent together. Right. It's the kid that won't. And yeah. I think that that kind of, as they live their lives, both things that meant so much to them, one will stay with the person and one won't is like this really interesting, it's just it's yeah. a gorgeous and, film. And also just how it's not like, it's not sad. And those interviews, those it's interviews not, are pretty yeah. sad. The, yeah. No, yeah, but I just mean the idea that like the kid's going to forget. Right. Isn't presented as like Because it means he's going to have lived thing. a life. Yeah, it's, exactly. just, it's just how it goes. Yeah. But also, in my mind, it means like it's because you're gonna have so many memories. You have yes. so many experiences. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it's great. It's great. It, we'll talk about it more in a few <laughs> next uh, week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it more next week. Uh, shout out to shout out the Green Knight, uh, which was nominated for nothing notable at all, and no. was also very good. Would it surprise you to know that currently on my Academy Awards, which reminds you includes two extra categories. That the Green Knight is nominated. Wait, hold on. Once, twice, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Yes, it would. As you were asking that question, I uh, I set the line in my mind at six. Nope, nine of them. Uh, yeah. So yes, it does. Right now, it's nominated for adapted screenplay. Okay. Production design. Great. Cinematography. Yep. Costume design. Yeah. Hair and makeup. Love it. Sound. Visual effects. Score. And best song for Bloom Sweet Lily Flower. Outstanding. Um, it's very good news to me. Yes. Do you know that song? I'll play it for you when we're done. Uh, not off the top of my head. All right. Our favorite award, I would say. Wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. The Anna Karenina Award. No, explain the Anna Karenina Award. Uh, all right. Well, uh, many years ago, uh, in our pursuit to see every Oscar-nominated movie, mm-hmm. uh, whether we want to or not, we sat down to watch uh, Joe Wright's Anna Karenina, 2012? Something like that. Maybe. Uh, a movie neither of us was particularly interested in. Uh, just another another, another period piece. Uh, Kieran Knightley's in it. Uh, everyone's, costume drama, costumes oh and hoop skirts, and it's yeah. the past, and like who it's gives like a two shit? Two plus hours. I, in fact, incredibly cool oh, movie. Oh my god! I just a well, well acted, visually dynamic and interesting, and just blew us both away. Uh, and so we uh, created the Anna Karenina Award to honor the movie that we didn't see coming. Yeah, that we watched for one reason or another, 
and had uh, just it far exceeded our expectations. Past winners have included the Maze Runner. Um, we have agreed once Wonder Woman, Hereditary, Blockers, and the current winners, the people that are presenting this award mm-hmm. as the Oscars have it. Uh, my pick, Underwater, from last year, and your pick, Palm Springs. Uh, so, both good ones. This year, what gets the vote? I so for me, this is also my uh, other contender for most deserving of a sequel. It won't get. Hmm. Uh, it goes to a little film called Nobody. Ah, I I almost put Nobody on the sequel one, but they might they might do something with it. Yeah, I just this was this was one of those movies that was coming out back when. Like movies coming out was still new. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll see whatever." Came out in like March or something. I, uh, so like, sure, a Bob Odenkirk punches guys. That 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 sounds like it's not going to be very good. Oh, yeah. but it might be okay. I uh, turned out just like it's a lot of fun, e- exceedingly competently. Made. Yeah, it's so much. It's fun. it's very fun. Everyone's doing like they're not doing much, but what they're doing, they're doing very well. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is a like I, probably just barely, but is in fact believable as yeah. like ex special forces or whatever the fuck. Uh, and it's just like little little tiny fun things keep happening. They're peppered throughout this movie, just mm-hmm. like oh a little a little flourish, a little a little fun uh, a little fun joke, a little a little interesting prop that explodes or whatever uh but it's just it's constantly peppered with like oh that would be neat yes and it's uh, it was just delightful to watch um speaking of a delightful to watch mine is a movie that i will be watching for years to come and showing more and more people a movie made by a filmmaker that i really haven't seen any of his stuff a thing that really can't be very good but it is as you said earlier malignant okay that is my anachronism. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I think that that tracks a film what, that like oh it's a James Wan horror movie. Those are scary. I don't really watch those. You know, I liked Saw. I didn't like Aquaman. It's like what what you know he did, did he he did um, Fury Seven, which was great. Yeah, um, and also just like bad trailers. Bad trailers like this kind of like unimaginative. It's like oh it's a guy in all black who. It's like the makes devil. this woman freeze and you yeah the one where it's like imagine your friend is the devil like who what are you, who gives a shit why is that interesting man is this movie bananas in the best way when you watch it again and you will it's 10 times as funny um the beginning that woman falling through the ceiling kills mm-hmm. the entire reveal um showing this to a person who doesn't know the twist is so incredibly fun to watch them figure it out, and then the jail scene happens, and the prison, and the 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 police station scene yeah. happens. It is a blast from start to finish. Um, Gabriel is an icon, and I won't hear anything otherwise. Uh, I love Malignant, and um, that's Manacrina. I uh, I will definitely be watching Malignant again. I I expect it will be an entirely different experience when I don't go in thinking, all right, so this is the Conjuring, because right. it's not. It's no. a it's another thing. It's it's an action comedy. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. All right. Worst scene. Oh no, the girl in the train award. Of yes, course, of the course, uh, of the counterpoint. 
That is not what I have it on my thing. But this this we've only given out for a few years. Explain this one. Uh, well, this uh, this was born a few years after uh, the Anna Karenina Award and is, in fact, the exact opposite. Uh, the Girl on the Train uh, was a, a movie that you and I were both looking forward to. Uh, it seemed like it would be good. Uh, sort of a great a little, cast. Yeah, great, great castle discount Gone Girl thing yeah. going on. Uh, this is just gonna, this is just going to be like a solid, uh, you know, like yeah, four out of five star fun uh, fun watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it sucked. It's just dog shit. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really really bad movie. Really shockingly bad. I uh, so now uh, every year, in addition to the uh, Anna Karenina Award, we uh, award the movie that we were most looking forward to that disappointed us. Past and, winners. Yes, we've we agreed the first year. Okay, two thousand six, Deadpool. The first one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, past winners have included uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, Queen and Slim, the second half of A Star is Born. Last year, I gave it to Tenant, and you gave it to Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. What say you this year? Uh, this year was, uh, this is another one that was pretty easy for me. Uh, me too. Going through the first round. I bet uh, we have the same one. Yeah, actually. I bet we match up on Halloween Kills. No, we don't. Oh, Damn. I'm really surprised you didn't put mine either. I uh, I'm surprised you didn't put mine. So surprised that I was typing in mine under your name. <laughs> I. You liked Halloween Kills more than I did too. That uh, is not good for your. Uh, you you and Joe were talking about how much fun you had when we left the theater. I I remember. I'm not saying you're wrong. I do not recall that. Okay. I. Uh, which like I, very interesting is just uh, I I I guess my estimation of Halloween Kills has gone has down. deteriorated sure. as time has passed because like I remember some fun kills yeah but I mostly remember it being exceedingly stupid uh in a, in a way that's just like I don't I obviously don't need my Halloween movies to be like tightly scripted. Yeah, it's not even uh, stupid. Like some of the sequels are stupid. I, you know, like season of the witch is stupid, but it's fun. Sure, I, I actually, actually like I, don't, I, it's possible that season of the witch is like, is one of those so bad it's good types. Uh, but it, it might just be doing something. Yeah. But like it, my the parts of Halloween Kills that I remember mm-hmm. are just kind of like incoherent. Uh, the the way that, uh, and again, spoilers, whatever. Whatever. Uh, the way that Jamie Lee is completely sidelined yeah. in the entire movie, when the whole premise of the first one is that like she's she's this killer, uh, she's she's the one keeping watch, and now it's just like, yeah, we're done with her. She gets to be in a hospital bed talking with some guy. Uh, everything that happens in the hospital... Uh, the the chase for the mental patient uh yeah. that everyone thinks is Michael Myers for some reason <laughs> yeah. and then it's just like oh Michael these Myers people... is this tiny fat man yeah these, who has these, mental issues yeah these people killed this guy uh even the big the big climax where like the town gathers in the street oh. and like just there's there is a certain suspension of disbelief we all have about Michael Myers' capability, but we also is, know that this is the second of a trilogy. That yes, that and they're that not too. doing shit to him. I, you know, he is he is not just a guy. He is some sort of preternaturally strong, uh, resilient. He's he's old, but he's still like a big force yeah. of nature. But. 
But also, like, if Michael Myers got, like, taped to a nuclear bomb <laughs> and blew it up, I think that would do it. Right. I, th- I think he'd be gone. And this guy gets, like, run over with a car and shot a bunch and stabbed and beaten and just completely wasted by a mob of people <laughs> that has already tasted blood in the form of the escaped uh, prisoner. And, like, he dies. We just see him die. Yeah. And then he's like, no, actually, I'm not dead. I'm, I'm instead going to kill you kill all, all one by him. one. And it's just, it's it's so, it's way too much. Yeah, and, like, Judy Greer so and far over uh, Andy, whatever her name is, who plays the daughter, really yeah. have nothing to do. Um, it does have some cool kills, but it's just setting up a sequel that this should have been anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing. The first, the first movie... You know, again, wasn't wasn't some like genius dynamo script. It was just good. It was just it was yeah, it was just great. it was just a simple idea done very well. And then this one was a was awful. My girl on the train is the one I thought you were gonna say. Edgar Wright's last night in Soho. Yeah, this is a. a I am shocked you did not say this. We were jonesing for this. This looked cool and awesome and it two of the great young actresses of our time he's doing like a a neon lit giallo film i mean this is just trippy shit edgar wright making a dead serious horror movie and it just didn't click i liked it more than you and joe but it is just a disappointment on almost every level um and uh i could not have been more looking forward to what edgar wright had up his sleeve here, and it just wasn't much. I I completely agree that that ba- that would have been a uh, yeah, probably on equal footing as a uh, as a pick for me. Uh, and it's it's so funny you were mentioning the past winners of this, and uh, one of them was Bad Times at the El Royale, which looked so Similar. much yeah. like a like an Edgar Wright movie, like mm-hmm. a sort of a, a, a thriller, but not scary. And it's got like a sort of high concept and seems like seems really cool. And uh, for me, at least, was wildly disappointing yeah. and completely like lifeless and uninteresting. And I remember leaving that movie thinking like, if only Edgar Wright could have made this, <laughs> like it it would have been fun, like sure. I expected. And then he did, and it still sucked. Yeah, <laughs> which was a Bummer. Yeah, I was. I was. I was very disappointed by the last night in Soho, and I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm glad that it that it got the award. I think. I think both of these movies deserved it equally, and so it's good that we split here. Worst part of a good movie. Now, this is obviously we're sticking with the negative for now. Yes. This is the worst part of a movie that we think is awesome. For instance, past winners. Oof, my first one's rough. Uh, you have we have done um, the allusions to Trump and Black Klansman, Lakeith Stanfield's absence in Knives Out, and our most recent winners. We've only done this four times. Yeah. Uh, for me, last year it was not seeing Nomadland and IMAX, or Borat and Barb and Star with an audience. And for you, it was the big action firefight finale in *To Five Bloods*. What say you this year? So. This one, this I one's have two little, options, uh, yeah. and I really hope you pick the one that one of them, so I can pick the other. Okay, I, I, I don't recall you focusing on this as much as I did, so I don't know that I'm going to pick one of yours here. Tough. I. The thing, the thing I'm picking. In in movies 
so often as in other things. They're giving the, a presentation. The, 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 ju- the jump from really good to great is can be the hardest jump to make. And so I'm picking a thing that I think takes a movie from great down to really good. Oh, okay. Uh, And that is the fact that Nightmare Alley does not take place entirely in the circus. Man, when they leave the circus, they get the best cinematography and production design, though. Yeah, but the movie gets less interesting. All right. I still liked it. I... The the second not the, one the, of my the, I, I, did, I did not suspect it would be. No. I I still like I still liked the second half of Nightmare mm-hmm. Alley. It's still a. We should serve everybody just bloody chicken stumps. Sounds at good. Our party, or uh, a live chicken. You just gotta bite into yeah. its neck. And also, like I I obviously understand that this movie is a remake, and yeah. the, the non-circus parts were in the original, and yes. so it would be it would be tough. To remake half of a movie, I, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the parts of night, the first forty-five minutes oh, of Nightmare Alley. I wish I had a remake that was a subpar, so I could make that joke. Sure, Ryan go like, well, you know, well, Pet Cemetery certainly did. Yeah, something like that. I, the first forty-five minutes of Nightmare Alley, I think, are great. I I loved that movie. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the rest of it. Wait, I got one. Say, say what you said again. It's it's tough to only remake half of a movie. Well, Point Break certainly did. <laughs> there you go. That's good. Thank you. I uh, generous of you to give it half. I know, but it, uh, it had the 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 extreme sure. shit. Yeah. I. So yeah, I th- I think in in, a, in another world where. They had this has been inspired in by Nightmare world. Alley rather than a remake of Nightmare Alley. The whole the whole thing could have been fucking weird and surreal and full of uh, full of interesting characters, and instead only part of it was okay, which was a bummer to me. Well, I had two options. Okay, uh, I'll 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 save I'll save my. Uh, We've talked about it enough. My content, my other contender for after you mention yours. We've talked about it enough, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna mention it. But obviously, the worst part of Licorice Pizza was the Asian accent <laughs> by that guy. Yes, I, I, I recall. Was, that was not my pick. My pick, the worst part of a good movie, the lack of an ending in Zola. Okay. Yeah. 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 It didn't end. It didn't. This is a this is definitely a good pick. It just stopped happening. The movie just stopped. It was shocking. Even if that's how the text thread ended, the filmmakers should have known that we have not completed our theatrical story, and we should do that. The so I, as to satisfy the uh, audience that spent two hours watching us. Don't quote me on this, but I recall. I, I remember reading the text thread after we saw the movie. And I recall it having more oh, of yeah, a conclusion sure. that sounds familiar. than the movie did. Uh, yeah, I think the only reason I didn't pick this was that I like I I liked uh, I liked parts of Zola a lot, and overall, I'd say I liked the movie leading up to it not having an ending. Mm-hmm. I, but yeah, that was that was definitely its biggest misstep. Is Shocking! That it, it did just stop. Shocking that it just ended. Um. Yeah, I I also uh, I do want to uh, I do want to ca- call out one that I uh, 
I know you'll agree with, even if you did not list Please. it as a contender. Uh, just the uh, the best friend and brother subplot in Coda. Yes. Just, just, My just, mom really liked the brother. And I was okay. just like, that did th- nothing for me. I, th- I liked the brother fine. And yeah, like they, were, his, they were both fine. His, but... like, his story of, you know, I, I want to be the one this family can rely yes. on uh, that that, yeah, that, that was fine. interesting but the the romantic just the making out like thing, what is this like, like 2003 just, what is going on yeah, why is this was... like constant horniness you know i was thinking about coda and um on the one hand it's like so annoyingly formulaic right sure you just know every beat that's going to happen in it and even down to the caricatures of the care like the music teacher who's eccentric and wears a scarf and says things like, well, Cole Porter knows as much about Broadway as yeah. Stephen Sondheim. Let me tell you why. Um, he doesn't say that, but something like that. Yeah. Calden calls her Bob. Yeah. That kind of shit. Uh, and then you have the family dynamic and all that kind of stuff. But I thought, you know, for an underserved audience, which is the, the hearing impaired, why shouldn't they get a formula? We have so many formulaic movies for sure. us. And it's the same way with underserved demographics. Like, the Hispanic community or Asian Americans, like they should just get like a body rom-com. We have so many of them. They so give them like this kind of like junior Mr. Holland's opus. Sure. Why not? Like formulas are around for a reason. Like to me, it's part of the charm that this is just so boilerplate. Yeah. Because the deaf community hasn't had a boilerplate movie like this. We have tons of them. So yeah, I, I, I wanted to ask you this and I'll just do it now. uh, Cause otherwise I'll forget again. Uh, was Coda like an Apple TV production, or was it? Just no, a movie they bought they it bought? at Sundance. Okay. So I was, I was, I was thinking of, I was thinking about how much more of just a like regular movie it seems than like a Netflix movie. That they're mm, they're they're always there's always something amiss about them. But yeah, if it was just a just a real movie that got that's bought, why. that's fine. All right. All right, now for some good news. The best part of a bad movie. We look at bad movies and go, well, that was pretty good. Past winners here have been um, Will Smith and Suicide Squad and Collateral Beauty. Oscar Isaac and Suburbicon. We both agreed on that one. Um, Joaquin Phoenix and Joker, the visuals of the live-action Lion King. And last year, I gave it to the fight scene at the end of The Hunt. And you said Hugh McGregor's performance in Birds of Prey. Okay. What's going on this year? I This one, I feel pretty confident we are not going to repeat on because no. I think you liked my pick uh, significantly more than I did. I, my runner-up here was, uh, speaking of recently, uh, the style in Last Night in Soho. Okay. Uh, for as uninteresting of a movie as it was, it like did... the aesthetic of the whole movie? Yeah. I mean, like the clothes. No, like the aesthetic of yeah. uh, the the Edgar Wrightness of it, basically, and like the clothes were part of it. Sure, but it did it did look cool. Yes, uh, and just did nothing with that. I, uh, but my pick instead is from uh, the film Tick Tick Boom, mm. and it is the uh, sort it's of not the puppet scene. Uh, hmm? Is it the puppet scene? The, uh, the marionette scene? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was the marionette scene. The. Oh, uh, the uh, both reach for the gun uh, homage from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and I use homage uh, generously because uh, I just I just took it. Yeah. I uh, yeah I think that was a that that was a sort of burst of energy in a movie that I was just 
the whole the whole thing was just like flagging and uninteresting yeah. for me the the whole time I uh, the the whole time I was watching it just being like I don't I don't like these songs and sure. I don't understand even like in the world of this musical film I don't understand why they're singing them and this one I also don't think was particularly well motivated but at least it was fun in a way that got me like all right well in a in a vacuum ignoring what I've seen and what I'm about to see I I enjoyed that 5 minutes I didn't. Um, <laughs> my and you like Tick Tick Boom, right? I, yeah, I did. Uh, I don't know. Did I? Did I give it three? I don't remember. Um, my best part of it, I, two runners up. One of them was the cinematography and the w- woman in the window. Okay. The other was the shedding scene in Antlers, where he sheds the shell. Okay. Yeah. In the sure. attic. Yeah, that was cool. Becomes the creature. Uh, but instead, I'm going with a wild card. <laughs> In the sense that this movie is so awful. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. It's so awful, but this one performance, the title character, well, no, the the second title character, uh, really goes balls to the wall and has a bunch of fun with it. And it is Selma Hayek in not the, but just Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Okay. This is interesting. By the way, that could have been the worst part of a worse movie. The no the 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 original was called the Hitman's Bodyguard. The sequel is called a Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Yeah. Why, why is why the do they the do that thing? Anyway, Selma Hayek in this movie is at a fifteen. The whole movie is at a ninety out of ten. It's just too loud. Everyone's yelling. It's incoherent. It's stupid. She is giving a huge comedic performance that works. She's funny. It's different than any other time I've ever seen her in a movie. She's having a blast, and she's funny in it. And she really sells... She makes the movie watchable. Um, But I think that she gives a very fun and spirited comedic performance in an abysmal film. So that's mine. All right. That is uh, is an interesting call. I have not seen that movie, but good for her. You certainly haven't. Oh, boy. The last two. The worst scene of... The year Noah are past contenders. Do we match up any of these? No, our past contenders. Um, got a stabbed at baby in Noah, yeah. The ending narration of the Magnificent Seven, any scene with the tablet and the snowman, the opening of Sicario Day of the Soldado, which would have been my pick, except I said the 80s montage in Aquaman. The ending of Cats, and more recently, my pick, Malcolm Goes Off on Film Critics and Malcolm and Marie last year, and yours, Wonder Woman Saves the Day and Wonder Woman 1984, specifically the Middle East save. Okay. I believe. All Wasn't right. it? Or was I, it the ending? No, I, th- I, I, I just now I would have thought it was the ending. It might have been the ending. Because I remember the ending of that movie being Where she tells so, her renounce, so renounce completely yeah, yeah. it might have been that. I wasn't specific when I took that note. Sure. This year, I'll go first. I have one option. I okay. really, I was, this to me is hard. I maybe should start keeping track of this, but I, I, I looked at the bottom movies and I just kept thinking, I don't remember like any specific scene that's dog shit. I've, but. I think, I, I wonder if we match up here. I've so already we, mentioned this movie briefly. Oh, then no. I don't think we do. It is. It's what? not the shedding scene in Antlers. Okay. But it's the shed scene in uh, Antlers. Okay, okay, okay. 
the scene that sure, sure. made us laugh out loud, laugh when we left the theater, and laugh when we told Joe about it months later. The scene in which Cop A, as I'll call them, walks toward the shed, see if the creature's there. We get a shot from inside the shed. The Cop, cop A is outlined, and then he gets attacked by the creature. Cop B shows up. I, 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 do, I do want to clarify. Uh, killed by the creature. Killed by the creature. Cop B shows up, walks by the shed. Same shot inside the shed, outlined by the door frame. Cop B walking forward. Takes about five minutes for him to walk. Yeah. Attacked by the monster. Yeah. Wounded. Wounded. In this case. <laughs> no no reason to not kill him, but he just doesn't. Main character walks for the shed. <laughs> this is all within 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's it's the it's sequential. And each time it takes about two minutes for these scenes to complete. Slowly walks for the shed. This is about a step. Step. Yeah, the exact same framing, the exact same shot looking out of the shed. Looks in. Step. Noise. This is how long each of them took. Gets attacked by the monster. (laughs) Again. It happens three times. And uh, yeah, it is baffling. Each time as the character gets more important, the uh, creature's desire to kill them (laughs) dwindles. The Uh, fact that they chose the same thing to happen so quickly in a row the same shots. It was, it's a baffling, baffling decision. That uh, that was quite bad, uh, deserving of the award. I uh, I have uh, I have two runners up here. Uh, the first one is uh, the end of uh, the end of Free Guy when he turns into uh, Captain IP. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sean bust- Levy signed on to do Deadpool three for the MCU and for. For uh, Ryan Reynolds. Okay. It's officially a go. Sean right. Levy directing. Uh, he didn't do the first one, did he? Or did he? No, he did uh, uh, many. He did, you know, he did uh, Night at the Museum. He did a bunch of that kind of stuff. He also did Free Guy and The Adam Project, both with Ryan Reynolds more okay. recently. All right. Well, uh, yeah, when, uh, like, Free Guy was a fine whatever movie with some charm to it. I. Uh, but then at the end, he just like he busts out the Captain America shield. He's got a and, lightsaber. Uh, yeah, he's got a lightsaber and like the Hulk hands, mm-hmm. and it's just like, hey, look at look at all these fun, we look at all these fun toys we sell. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was just really pretty disgusting. Uh, it made me made me feel gross. Uh, the first runner up, very close to winning, uh, didn't quite do it. Was from the little things. Which uh, I don't. Were you so, also operating on your uh, your Oscars? Yes, that, uh, that okay, was so last didn't year. Qualify here things. for you. That was last year. Uh, they're, uh, they're, I may have mentioned it in my B sides last year. I don't remember. Their plan to break into Leto's house. <laughs> uh, I am <laughs> confident that was on my list last it year. It must have been. I. <laughs> which just like it's been. It's How been, is that not number one on your list? I guess I didn't pick it last year either. But yeah. I, oh man! Just uh, they they call him from a bar and they're like, "Come meet us five minutes down the road," and then I can't signal you if he leaves. It's yeah, just, well, was... well, the issue is is that there's two of them. Yeah, Rami Malek, Denzel Washington. Rami Malek calls Jared Leto and says, "Meet me at a bar. I want to apologize." So when Jared Leto leaves, Denzel goes into the house, but then Rami Malek goes, and this is in the eight. Is this in the eighties? Doesn't take place now, does it? I uh, no. I don't remember. There's no like cell phones. I don't. Think. He then goes to the bar to actually meet with Jared Leto, 
So no one is there. So that we that means I, if Jared Leto Lee. Oh no, he didn't go. No, I, I think no. It's it's the opposite. He doesn't go to the bar, so that Jared Leto goes there and then just leaves again. That's right. That's but then right. he's sitting in his car. But he's sitting and in does his car. Not have a way to signal unless to he like Denzel. honks his horn a bunch. Right. But by that time, Jared Leto's already home. That's incredible. It's, it's, it's incredible. It was very stupid. Was so uh, near the end of a very stupid movie. That's but so no. Funny. The worst scene of 2021, in my opinion, is the climax of the Tomorrow War, uh, sure. when Chris Pratt boxes the monster. Yeah, he, this he has whole, a fist fight with an alien. This whole movie has been about how these creatures are so deadly, they are so superior to us, uh, that we we can't possibly fight them. We've been almost eliminated. We have, yeah. to, rec- we have to draft humans from bef- back in time for the past and uh, and yet they they go to the nest in antarctica or something mm-hmm. and then like the queen well is they released. go back and they find out that they they didn't come from space they were awakened sure. by global warming yeah, yeah, yeah. so they travel again back in time to before they woke up to try to blow them up but the queen wakes up yeah and they blow up like three of them yeah but the nest is released and the queen is free and she, and they're fighting out in the snow and then Chris Pratt, they're on like a cliff, just squares up with this fucking monster. And they're throwing hands like rock'em sock'em robots. And it, it's so funny. It's like, these, how, how did these creatures kill anyone? He, the, the creature loses the fight. Chris oh, Pratt yeah. beats it yeah. in hand-to-hand combat. They, they settle up in the octagon and Dana White signs the contract. And how, how am I to believe that these things are fighting a war? So and funny. winning and eliminating our species. That's a good choice. I, uh, yeah the the whole the whole back half of that movie, uh, is just um, among the most shocking turns to terribleness that I can recall. Well, here we go. Our final award of the night and the most fun, the best scene of the year. Previous winners, have we ever matched up on this? Yes, we have. I'm curious to see what that one is. Once. In 2017, The Destruction of Mother and Mother. Oh, nice. Good call by both of us. Um, past winners, uh, I've picked the ending of Whiplash, the food porn in Sausage Party, um, Avengers Assemble in Avengers Endgame. You have picked uh, Walking Through a Dead Girl's Room and Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, the ending of The Invitation, um, and Beth living and Beth dying in Little Women. Last year, my award went to Dinner with a Sister in The Invisible Man, and you picked Mads Mikkelsen Dances in Another Round. What do you have this year? All right, I, uh, I'm going to I'm going to save my honorable mentions uh, until you've already gone. Okay. Lest I uh, lest I step on uh, step on something that you may cite. I. Uh, this was a case, though, where I let Variety be the tiebreaker. It was between Variety, my pick. the publication? Yes, I, oh, I emailed them. I thought maybe you looked at uh, the list. No, I looked at uh, between my pick and a scene from Licorice Pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were neck and neck. Uh, so and your so runner-up was a scene from Licorice Pizza? One of my runners-up <laughs> is a scene from Licorice Pizza, yes. I did not select that sure. as my ultimate winner. I... I selected a scene from No Time to Die in which Anna de Armas appears. 
Oh yes, uh, the Colombian scene. Yes, Cuba. I. I forgot. What no, I think I think I think it is. Uh, I think it is Cuba. Yeah. yeah. Ana de Armas shows up in No Time to Die in the finale of the Daniel Craig Bond franchise, uh, which has been famously uh, gritty and dirty and grim and down to earth in a way that maybe got a little tiresome by the end, but uh, by and large, I really enjoyed. Uh, and uh, everyone involved reminded us that like, we, we haven't forgotten that James Bond can be fun. It's just not what we're doing right now, but we'll just, we'll give you a little taste right. uh, leading in to the next iteration of Bond. This scene with Anadarmas who shows up as like, oh, I'm the I'm the new field agent. This is my first mission. Uh, I guess I guess you and I have to go to this swanky event. Uh, so I'll I, I this is this is so much fun. I'm like a I'm like a peppy new uh, I'm like a peppy new like brand new puppy. I uh, and so let me put on this uh, this fucking sexy dress and get ready. And oh, actually, there's a fight that's broken out, and I'm just gonna kick the shit out of everyone. Cause I'm I'm put I'm putting you on I'm a I'm an assassin too, I'm I am also James Bond, and you and I are partners now in this moment, and it's just, it's thrilling, it's invigorating and exciting. Uh, she is incredible, and uh, he he does really well playing off of her, sort of the the gruff Bond having fun, uh, and that it is just a little a little isolated nugget in a movie that is uh, otherwise like good i enjoyed but is not doing that it's doing other things more somber things i uh, and that just uh, was a a com- a complete showing of star power from her that's a that's a great choice it's it's so interesting because you know for years we have that kind of stereotypical strong female character who's a little snippy and uh-huh. like, I can do this. I don't need help. And like, or they consider a strong female character, someone who can just shoot a gun and be like, that's how she gets her strength. And they're never really flushed out. And then there's the whole issue with the bond girls where in the past they're just trophies or they're victims or they're bait. And it's been a very interesting line to toe between like Halle Berry and die another day and Leia Sado here in these movies. I think that Ana de Armas, and I'd be so curious, I really want to know, I want them to release that script and just have every page, every line that Phoebe Waller-Bridge did highlighted. Like, I just want to know exactly what it is, but I wouldn't be surprised if this scene is there, uh, that she worked on the scene. But this is the, I think this is the route to go for a 21st century Bond girl. You know, because she has the looks and the style, and we know Ana de Armas is this, like, all-time beauty, but... And it's not just that she can like shoot a gun and she's strong. It's the daftness to her that's so playful and innocent. Yeah. It's the excitement that she brings. It's it's she it's such a small performance that catches you so off guard. It's this wonderful mix of um inexperience and confidence. And she's so good. That's such a good scene. And she's such a damn delight in that movie. My it's really between two and I have to go with okay the one that I'm not picking okay that I was so close to picking is the whenever I wherever I fall scene from Cyrano 
Okay. Which comes out of nowhere and is one of the more haunting scenes about war. Not haunting, but just impactful scenes about war that I think I've ever seen. Just yeah. That song crushes the camera work of Joe Wright, slowly moving from each one as they get to sing their little part. Those lyrics are great. The draw, the battle drum in the song is great. Um, it's a incredible it's a, moment. It's a testament to that scene, uh, which I didn't consider just because Cyrano was too low on my list that I'd, I wasn't really looking for it. Uh, it's a testament to that scene how the ideas involved are... Like, there's nothing new going on. It's just a song about how these soldiers have people back home. Yeah. Uh, and also, they're probably going to die. And, like, that's just... Every war movie has touched on that in one way or another. But but all the same, uh, this scene in Cyrano comes on. And Cyrano was a movie that I, I did not have a lot of time for as a whole. But that, that scene just distilled those ideas and just blew the doors off. Yeah, it seems uh, incredible. So I, um, others I like the site, uh, but my winner and we'll go through our runners up, I guess is, um, it's the jail cell reveal in malignant. It yeah. has to be, it has to be. And it's not just the jail cells, the whole police precinct, but the reveal of Gabriel. And I really want this, this time I won't say what it is because I know people have time to see it, but this is this isn't the kind of thing where you're like, yo, spoilers, Michael Myers doesn't die. Right. Like this should be a genuine surprise to people. The choreography of that scene, the James Wan's camera always moves so brilliantly with such precision. He is a master at his camera work. That scene is a testament to that. The makeup effects in that scene are incredible. The performance of Gabriel is incredible. And what a fucking blast. It's like getting a shot of ecstasy in a movie suddenly. You're just like, holy shit, we're going. It takes you completely by surprise. It's so fun, and it's so funny, and it's awesome. And it's my favorite scene of the year. Yeah, that was a... When I show people that movie... More than any of these other movies, I think that's the one scene that I will not be able. I'm like, oh, I cannot wait till they see the jail scene. Yeah, that was a a moment for again in a in a movie that was not working for me mm-hmm. uh, at the time that I watched it. When that came on, I was just like Cyrano. I was like, oh, oh, it's it's good now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is crazy. Yeah, that scene is. Uh, it's it's a scene for scene the ages. Great. This is a horror scene for the ages. All right, where were your runners up? Uh, all right. Uh, runner ups, I guess. This no, I think it is. I think you're runners right. up. Yeah. I, okay. I, this was a uh, just a little moment, so didn't get a ton of consideration. But the beginning credits in Drive My Car coming on mm. like 45 okay. minutes into the movie, I like really, really did kind of just Which blow if, my if, hair back. If, if you distill it down to what an hour and a half movie is, it's 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 still pretty long. Yeah. Actually, uh, it's about 15 minutes into an hour and a half movie. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty wild. I considered uh, America from West Side Story. So did I. Uh, which I think was a... Uh, An improvement the, over the first one. The colors in that, the choreography in that. I will never for some reason forget Bernardo walking in the middle of that song and he just does the thing where he like pulls his vest, his uh-huh. shirt open over himself. It's so cool. He does a little skip. The, the dresses and the, they did that on the hottest day of the summer. They had to digitally remove sweat from people. 
That seems hard. And uh, it was so worth it. And the, the little kids dancing in that little moment. Oh, yeah. that scene destroys. Uh, yeah, I think that was the standout number. And the a, hardest uh, scene, yeah. probably, to have to, like, how do we top America? I would, I would imagine. And they did. I, the duel from the last duel. I don't have that, but it's a good choice. I, just a just an awesome fight scene. Uh, the the idea of like we've seen movies before that have been like we're showing realistic medieval violence. Uh-huh. This felt like the most I've seen. How hard it is to do it, how the struggle to to not struggle to like should I do this, but the struggle to like fit anything in anywhere and just the brutality of right. it. Right. It's not just a matter of like two guys going with swords and someone's right. going to win. Like they're they're wearing armor. You have to get armor, in between. They're rolling shit. in the muck. I uh, yeah. And and also just it's a. It's a thoughtful and complex movie to uh, you don't to know a who you want degree. to win. Uh, <laughs> really, who I, do you believe? I <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that that's where the complexity lies for me, but maybe she's lying. No, okay. uh, <laughs> but after a uh, after three different iterations of this story, I mm-hmm. uh, at least I I was very ready for just the con- the catharsis yeah. of the conclusion and for it to come in such a. Uh, and it takes Such a while. A fight scene too. Yeah, that, they uh, really make you wait for that catharsis. That really worked. And my uh, my my runner up, my uh, my tie that didn't get it for uh, variety's sake is the uh, I guess I'd call it the stunt scene in Licorice Pizza with uh, with Sean Penn. Oh, interesting. Uh, I have a different Licorice Pizza scene. Where I'm they, surprised uh, you like this one. The this scene to me is, you know, again, speaking of catharsis, we've been uh, at this point in the movie kind of dancing around their uh, their relationship and friendship and courtship and all of yeah. that. Uh, and they're they're fighting. Uh, she's with Sean Penn, who's mm-hmm. doing his own uh, his own fun. Uh, doing a William Holden, essentially. Yes, is yes, the yes, yes. Guy uh, and, uh, and Tom Waits shows up and they they orchestrate this whole everyone uh, in the street. <laughs> this whole motorcycle stunt light the fire and it's a yeah. uh, and and tom, tom waits is at a is at a 10 and it's just an incredibly fun and funny scene uh this has the uh let me roll it uh needle drop mm-hmm. uh and is kind of just the the first time that the two of them like acknowledge uh, any degree of but what's they been care going for each on other, yeah, yeah yeah and and the the combination of the music and the humor and the like genuine relationship that the movie has built so far is just kind of perfect yeah. to me. And I just, I really like that fucking movie. <laughs> me too. I want to come out on Blu-ray so I can buy it. Um, is it all you got? Yes. Those are, uh, that is yeah. I, I also had America from West side story and wherever I falls. I mentioned from Cyrano. Um, the school dance scene in West Side Story, I think, is incredible. People okay. have been posting on Twitter, Twitter that opening. Yeah, yeah. But I love the Mambo song. That do 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 Mambo. That's incredible. I love Ana de Armas yelling at the DJ in that scene. The school administrator or whoever he is go, everybody partner up with somebody else, and they just immediately switch. The courtship behind the bleachers of Tony Maria, that, that snapping thing they do yeah. together is beautiful. And Spielberg shoots that so beautifully. Um, I love that whole scene. I think that's great. Um, the licorice pizza scene is the driving downhill. That's the scene yeah. that I had. I mean, it's what, it's so fun. Then there's no music. It's so funny. 
It, it, there's no dialogue really. It's just a car driving on a hill and everyone being like, Ooh. It's so funny, but yeah. it's also so tense. So tense, yeah. It Even just, though you know nothing will probably happen, you're like, something. Yeah. Man, how could but, it not? Yeah. Like it's it's one of those things where you know it, but yeah. you still believe it might. Um, like as as they're rolling down that hill, I'm like I'm sitting there thinking like I I know in my mind that's just not the movie I'm watching. They're yeah. not gonna like crash into something. But also like every, every frame I'm like shit, they're gonna crash into yeah. something. Uh, I also have the serial killer reveal in Titan. Okay. Not the one of her in the parking lot in the beginning of the movie, uh-huh. but at her friend's house. Gotcha. Yeah. Where the chair is involved and then she sits on the chair after it's in someone's skull because she's exhausted and she walks up the stairs and that guy comes out and she's lying where she goes, she walks up to him and she goes, how many people live here? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes like, he, he says their name. Yeah. And she's like, okay. <laughs> And then we cut away, but that it's so funny and like wild. And when I remember in that theater, when she crushes that guy with that chair and you don't really see it, but you see her about to, and then she sits on it. People are laughing like, should, is this funny? I don't know, but it is very funny. It was, that's a great scene. And then, um, the one I really, uh, I wanted to mention was the first one really that I had this year, even though it was in the summer was, uh, that brought me so much joy is members of the band The Fifth Dimension watching themselves perform at the Harlem Music Festival in Summer of Soul. Yeah. Those two, you remember what I'm talking about? Those two people watching their younger selves. They'd never seen that footage before. And the memories that brought back, they started to cry and they were so happy watching them at like the peak of what they did and what they loved doing it um, again was so beautiful. So beautiful. What a choice for Quest to show them that footage and to put them in the movie. I could have watched them watch themselves for a whole movie i thought that was wonderful that is a uh, that is a very good call that was a a standout a standout moment in a very good movie yeah that's a great movie and guys that's that's it for the 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 b-sides let's let's get to what you all have been waiting for i'm sorry to wait so long but uh yeah i'm not this has been fun uh (laughs) i've had fun though i do uh, i do real quick want to uh, surprise you with uh, one brand new award best portrayal of spider-man Okay, we'll do this award every year. Giving out every uh, year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we will not be awarding yeah, that. Sure, we'll, we'll have a Spider-Man next year. Yeah. We got uh, Miles Morales again. Oh, there you go. With a bunch of Spider-Man. Probably. Sure. Oh, yeah. This will this will work. Uh, yeah. This will work two uh, who, two shows in a row. Who was the best Spider-Man in Spider-Man? Holland, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, he's the he's the star of the returning two. Yeah. It's Garfield. Yeah. But, yeah. We are uh, we are of course not recording this. Uh, we're not. No, just the we're. I don't you're want not. to have to do this again. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're in charge of the spreadsheet, but I, I insist we do not record the winner of oh, best on my perf- portrayal of Spider-Man. I thought you meant the podcast. Yeah. All right. No, of course we're recording this. Great, because we got a big thing. All right, here we go. The draft. Boy, oh boy. Um, as everyone and everyone does know, uh, the past three years, what? Oh, past three years, we've been doing a tournament for March Madness, and then during quarantine, we did one in November. But uh, three tournaments is our third year, and the first tournament we determined the greatest blockbuster of the 2010s, which was Get Out. It was second tournament, the greatest blockbuster of the 2000s, 2000 to 2009. That was Crouching Crouching Tiger, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Course. And then we completed our decades trilogy with the best, the greatest blockbuster of the '90s, which was Titanic. Trilogy concluded. We're done with the decades. 
we had to pivot and we decided to go in a more negative route. But not negative, meaning that the tournament's going to be bad. No, it's going to be great. But just Our more yet. More than that, we're going to be talking about a lot of movies people would rather forget, uh, especially the people that made them. We're going to find the biggest flop of the 21st century. Now, I do have a, uh, a point of order here. Is it? Uh, did we settle on biggest or greatest? I think, you, is... I think you decided biggest. Biggest. Inter- okay. Yeah, I think that was your call. All because... Right. Yeah. Biggest it is. <laughs> because biggest rolls everything into it. Sure. Whereas biggest blockbuster doesn't necessarily determine quality, but biggest flop... Quality plays a part. I don't know. Sure. I think it was I your call. You. We'll see. All right. I will. Uh, yeah, I will take credit for that call. <laughs> In a tournament, we are calling multiplex sadness. So we have four. No, we have eight, six, eight divisions. Twelve. <laughs> One. Well, I know that one's wrong. I'm gonna sneeze too. It is eight. It's off to a great start. Hold on. Bless you. Thank you. All right. We have uh, eight divisions. They're all named after filmmakers, um, but we're taking out some categories. We're not doing sequels. We're not what we kind of are. We're not doing franchise starters. What we kind of are. And we're getting rid of horror and romantic comedy. Because they're just, they're not, horror and romantic comedy are never aspiring to huge. Right. uh, They don't cost enough to flop, essentially. Exactly. So, romantic comedies have been rolled into comedy. Uh, Horror has been turned into reboots and remakes. That's the John Carpenter division. Named that because uh, horror films are often the most remade and rebooted. Naturally. The franchise starter division, Steven Spielberg, who's launched a lot of franchises, well, he also tried to get The Adventures of Tintin off the ground. Mm. That didn't work. So, we are renaming... uh, We are... Recategorizing that as not franchise starters, but franchise non-starters. Films that tried to launch a franchise and didn't. And what's the last one I missed? Not the not the Justin Lin one, but there's another one I'm missing. Because we got uh, rid of romantic comedy. Then it's uh, become the Nora Ephron division. That's right, which is... Star Crashed Vehicles. Star Crashed Vehicles, because of course... Uh, I can't think of an example for Nora Ephron. I had one for everybody else. But, um, of course, uh, romantic comedy is... Powered by star power. Naturally. That's what gets people into theaters. Yes. And the Justin Lin Division, the sequels, will now be franchise enders. Films that uh, tried to continue a franchise and instead destroyed them. So, here we go. We'll start with franchise starters. We have tw- 19 contenders vying for eight spots. And they are... Oh boy, where to start? Let's start with Solo, a Star Wars story. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Alice Through the Looking Glass, Terminator, Salvation, Tron Legacy, Transformers The Last Night, Dark Phoenix, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Pacific Rim, Happy Feet 2, Insert in Independence Day Resurgence, Stuart Little 2, Son of the Mask, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, The Divergent Series Allegiant, The Huntsman Winter's War, Basic Instinct 2, and Tron Legacy. Did I get them all there? I believe you did. Terminator Dark Fate. I don't know if I said that. Uh, well, you did now. Anyway, they're all on the list. So, uh, we, how do we decide who's going first? I uh, well, I believe uh, per our uh, our 
complicated, uh, multifaceted off-screen process. Uh, I ended up with the first pick in this division. Uh, we're going to kind of alternate back and forth. But the first pick in Franchise Enders goes to me. Yes, what are you picking? I, I'm i going to go with a movie that I think really speaks most to the name of this category. I think, you know, isn't necessarily by the numbers the worst performer here, but did the most damage to the biggest franchise. And so I'm going to say Transformers The Last Night okay. is my first pick here. It's a good choice. Thank you. 130 domestic, well below, even what the last film made, 245. Yes. My first pick is going to be 2019's Dark Phoenix, the $200 million retread of the Dark Phoenix storyline that crashed and burned with 65 million domestic and 252 worldwide. Yeah, that's a uh, that's another good pick. That that 65 million number is uh, just disastrous. The, uh, you know, I, I did, I did kind of overlook that at the number one pick just because the, the X-Men franchise never quite reached those highs, but it never looking, reached those lows. Yeah. But looking at it, I, I don't know that that would have been an equally good number one pick for my next one. I am going to, uh, I'm going to go with a movie that really put the nail in the coffin. You know, this was a similar f- to the last night. Yes. I, uh, Though this uh, this franchise was already kind of on thin ice, maybe mm-hmm. uh, you know it had it had hit huge highs, uh, and then was a little wobbly, but still going. And then this movie just uh, erased all doubt. So I'm going with Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales. Okay. Uh, for my fourth, I'm gonna go. I'll stick with Johnny Depp. I'm gonna go with Alice Through the Looking Glass, a film that came six years after its predecessor, made over 300 million domestic, over 1 billion worldwide, and topped out at 77 domestic and under 300 worldwide. Yeah, that one's a uh, that one's a really good call. That I, I still remember when Alice in Wonderland just became like the biggest movie in the world. Three months after Avatar, it was, we were, it was the biggest like recipient of the 3D boom. Yeah, we were all just kind of sitting around being like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Is this is this our life now? It's just Alice in Wonderland. Turned out, no, they no, could not keep that no. momentum going in any way. I. All right, I'm going to uh, I'm going to dip a little bit more into the uh, into the quality of movie thing and go with what I think is really one of the worst movies on this list. Also a. a you know, a potential franchise ender. This is a franchise that never actually got started as a franchise. There was one hugely successful movie. And then years later, someone thought, what if we made a sequel? And then someone said, should we get any of the things at all that made the first movie a success? Uh, and they were like, nah. And they made Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, yes. Well, they got Goldblum back. They did get Goldblum. All right. That's uh, huge. There, yeah. <laughs> Hey, there was that period in the 90s when Goldblum was just rattling off hit after hit after hit. Well, all in safe franchises, but yes, that's, that's fine. True. <laughs> it still happened. Uh, but yeah, Independence Day Resurgence, in addition to completely missing the mark on everything that made Independence Day great, uh, was a failure in its own right and just a colossally bad movie. 
It certainly was. Uh, for my sixth pick, or just my third pick. Sure. Six overall. I'm going with a film, talk about franchise enders, a film that stopped telling a story that will never be completed. <laughs> a film that ended on, I can I only assume is a cliffhanger, half of a story, half a book, and didn't finish it at all, and that is the Divergent series Allegiant. Yeah, that was a that's a that's a good <clears throat> call. That that franchise truly ended in spectacular fashion. Yeah. We're going to do a show and Shane Woodley was like, "I'm not doing yeah, a we're show." We're going to do a what? No. <laughs> and so we've we're left with half a story, which um even though I have seen it playing on TV, the the other movies, but would significantly hurt its like rewatchability, like its appeal on streaming and sure. Cuz no one no one's going to watch part one of anything if there's no part two yeah unless it's yeah. the history of the world i all right Which last they're making a sequel to that yeah that's true but we didn't yeah. know that for many years no we didn't and uh, and they shouldn't god help them <laughs> all right my last pick in the franchise enders it's a lot of there's a lot of great movies left here well <laughs> uh sure there's a lot of great options left here. okay uh good point there is at least one good movie left here. I say. I think a few. I, I say two. I would. Yeah. There's. There's uh, one. There's one movie left that is clearly better than the rest, and then I think two movies on this list that I would be fine to watch. I don't know what the third. I think that Solo and Dark Fate are real solid, with Dark Fate being better. Okay. What's the third you're talking about? I recall. Pacific Rim Uprising being better. Oh, than well, they did have more daytime fights. Yes. Yeah, uh, I remember not liking Pacific Rim at well, all. And then good. Pacific Rim 2 was like, oh, that's, that works. The, yeah, that's that's what that's what you wanted, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. And see, for me, Pacific Rim 2 and Solo are kind of on the same uh, fine, okay. watchable tier. All right. Uh, and Dark Fate is quite good. But no, I'm going to go with a movie that I think had the most potential left in its franchise. Mm-hmm. That they left on the table. I never seen it. Cannot speak to its quality, but I will be drafting the Chronicles of Narnia: The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Ooh, here. a long title. Yes. Long title. I possibly part of a part of the problem. I don't know. There's so many books left in that franchise. I think this was only the third movie they made. Yes. I and just, I mean, there's there's just so much potential there that they that they could not get to. They could not access because they failed. With the Don Treader, so I much. am. My last pick is going to be the most ill-advised sequel on this list. Maybe, well, take her, take her, leave Basic Instinct too. Sure. But uh, Son of the Mask trading in Jim Carrey for Jamie Kennedy is such a downgrade that Chris Rock couldn't even make a joke about it. But that is. <laughs> but they've got the same consonant sounds. That's true, but it's not even a, if you can't hire Jim Carrey, yeah. it's not even a wait. It's like, if, if you can't hire Jim Carrey and you can hire Jamie Kennedy, quit the business. You have no business being yeah. here. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. I'm really glad one of those two tiny movies, you yeah. know, Son of the Mask and Basic Instinct 2, both had such small budgets and are both kind of, like, just don't feel like real movies. But I'm glad one of them made it in. I think I think I picked what's supposed to be the worst one. Okay. So, all right, our matchups for the Justin Lin division. 
So this is going to be the third episode of Multiplex uh, Sadness. Transformers The Last Night takes on Son of the Mask. Dark Phoenix will face The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales will take on the Divergent series Allegiant. And Alice Through the Looking Glass takes on Independence Day Resurgence. Boy, oh boy, I'm already, uh, I'm geared up. Can we just do that now? (laughs) No, we have to watch several of those. (laughs) Oh, that's right. (laughs) All right, our next division, the Steven Spielberg division, the franchise non-starters. We have nineteen again, nineteen contenders, and here are they. Here they are vying for eight here spots. Here are they. <laughs> that could work. Does that <laughs> yeah, make sense? Sure. Here are they: The Lone Ranger, John Carter, Robin Hood, two thousand ten, The Golden Compass, Green Lantern, Superman Returns, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Warcraft, The Last Airbender, Sahara After Earth. R.I.P.D., Assassin's Creed, Power Rangers, Speed Racer, Ender's Game, and Treasure Planet. I tried to change the emphasis on some of it to make it fun. I noticed. It worked. (laughs) Great. That Uh, made me happy. All right. I get the first pick. You do get the first pick. And I am picking. This is a no-brainer for me. I'm picking John Carter of Mars, or as they just wanted to call it, John Carter a film that cost $250 million and grossed 73 domestic. So this would be a huge hit for the Disney brand and didn't do it. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good call. I definitely think that is the clear-cut 101 in this division. I, for mine, I'm going to reach a little farther down this list. You know, this is, uh, this is early on something I find really interesting about this tournament is that... Uh, the biggest flops are not necessarily the biggest budgets. Uh, so I'm going to go farther down the list and go with the movie that I think is just kind of the most ill-advised out of all of these uh, and select Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Okay. Which I think just had absolutely no shot for so many reasons uh, and truly was like, you know, $180 million budget, only $40 million domestically. Uh, that's that's quite bad. My second pick is going to be a film that not only didn't start a franchise, but ruined plans for merchant... A whole book of plans that the producer, star, and story creator had for this franchise. And that would be After Earth. A whole multimedia plan for this brand and it did not happen after earth is my pick yeah that's a uh, that's a good call on those uh yeah, those numbers you know 130 million dollar budget 60 million dollars domestically that's a uh, with will smith too now that's a uh, that's unfortunate for them i am going to uh, i'm gonna go for a movie that not only failed to start a franchise but i think kind of was embarrassed a little more in recent history with the uh, relatively successful start of a television franchise, uh, I'm going to go with The Golden Compass. Ah. Which, uh, also, horrible numbers. 205 budget, 70 million domestically. Uh, and just the, the existence of this franchise kind of rebooted into the world now mm-hmm. just, I think, highlights their failure to get it off the ground a little more for me. 
the fifth pick I am taking, it's got to be taken, the Lone Ranger. All the ingredients of Pirates of the Caribbean. Star, director, writers, producer. Couldn't anywhere, get anywhere near the success. Add that to the... Uh, the fact that it hasn't aged poorly for several reasons, mm. including its titular star, um, it's going to number five. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good call for my next one. I think I'm I'm gonna go with the movie that I think has the best shot in this whole tournament of offending the sensibilities of my fandom, which is not something that I uh, usually put a lot of weight in. But I think this movie just might get the job done anyway. Uh, I want a Shyamalan of my own. I am taking the last Airbender. Yeah, which, it's supposed know, to be his worst movie. Yeah, by the by the numbers, you know, a hundred and fifty million dollar budget, hundred and thirty domestically is not. The hundred and thirty is real nice. It's not the it's not the biggest failure we'll yeah. see in this tournament by a long shot, but creativity matters here too, and that's uh, not looking forward to watching this one. For my last pick, I'm going with Green Lantern, two hundred million dollar budget. 116, which isn't like a complete disaster, but 220 worldwide is, and it certainly did not start the franchise. It was, it meant to, and uh, yeah, it's by it's the seventh overall. All right, uh, and again, a lot of uh, a lot of great options here left. I'm going to go with just I th- I think maybe the uh, maybe the biggest gap. Uh, we have left in uh, budget to domestic gross uh, and take RIPD $130 million another dollar budget another Reynolds a lot of, lot of Reynolds a lot of depth a lot of Shyamalan uh, but yeah only made $33 million domestically and only $78 million globally yeah. uh, just a, a catastrophic failure alright our contenders in the Steven Spielberg division the matchups are the Lone Ranger, no, sorry. John Carter takes on R.I.P.D. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets will take on Green Lantern. Uh, where's number three? After Earth will take on The Last Airbender in the Shyamalan Showdown. Oh, boy. His directorial back-to-back films facing against each other. Only one could come out on top and on bottom. Uh... And the Golden Compass will face off against the Lone Ranger. Those are the contenders for the Steven Spielberg division, the franchise non-starters. Moving on to star-crashed vehicles in our Efron division, the films that were supposed to get the box office glory just with the power of their stars' names. Here are our contenders, 14 of them. 47, Ronan. The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Gemini Man, Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World, Skyscraper, The Chronicles of Riddick, Gulliver's Travels, Blood Diamond, The Tourist, Transcendence, Green Zone, Battlefield Earth, Ballistic X vs. Sever, and Black Hat. <sighs> I have the first pick? Yes, this is, uh, this is you. Well, I'm going with the one that, uh, when, when you think of a flop in the 21st century, this is one of the first to come to mind, Battlefield Earth. Yeah, I think that's a that is kind of the uh, carrying the water for this whole thing in a way. Uh, you got it. You got to go Battlefield Earth number one overall, despite its relatively lower budget. I am also going to pick a 
movie with a much lower budget than we have available to us here. I uh, not necessarily what uh, I don't I don't know if this has the same sort of notoriety as Battlefield, Battlefield Earth, but I don't it does, think it does. It does in my mind. Sure. I uh, so I'm gonna go with Ballistic X versus. Ah, Seven. no, I don't think it does. No, okay. No. But I think on film Twitter it probably does. Yeah, and and to me that's all that's always a. It's all that counts. It's always it's always stood out. Making film Twitter happy. Movie. And also the numbers are horrendously bad. Seventy million budget, fourteen domestic, twenty worldwide. Yeah. My next pick is gonna might seem out of left field, but it had pedigree behind it. It was reuniting its star Nicolas Cage with the director of the National Treasure films. Uh, the, the second one, which had come out three years earlier, it was the big Disney July movie, Jerry Bruckheimer producing, and it didn't get it done. The $160 million budgeted The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which only grossed 63 domestic. So sad for Jay Baruchel. It's my number three. All right. I like that. Uh, I think for my next movie, I'm going to go with one that... From a marketing campaign, I think was truly just driven on the fact that this guy starred in it, because I to this day have no idea what it's about. It's a, well, I don't know. Uh, and I'm gonna go with Transcendence. Oh, I can tell you what that's about. It's about a gentleman, I believe, who dies and uploads his uh, consciousness to an AI. Okay. I think. I. Yeah, you know, Rebecca I, Hall, isn't it? Oh, that's nice. I, I'm sure I saw. I'm sure I saw a trailer. I'm sure I experienced I, yeah. the marketing campaign back in 2014. But all I knew about this movie is that's the Johnny Depp one. Yes, it is. And uh, it would grow go on to uh, gross 23 million dollars on a hundred million budget. And I got I want it on my squad. All right, my next pick is going to be 47 Ronin, a Keanu Reeves film, uh, an epic. War film, I believe. $175 million, 38 domestics, clearly trying for overseas, especially the Middle Kingdom. Um, but didn't happen. 151 worldwide. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, that's a good call. I, I really feel like I kind of overlooked 47 Ronin. Uh, that uh, budget to domestic release disparity. Yeah, it's big. Is huge. 175 the, to 38. The biggest, uh, the biggest budget in the division. I probably should have been taken in the top four. Uh, so that's a great, uh, it's a great sleeper pick for you. I'm going to go with a movie that I still don't really understand why they made. I just seems like, seems like a crazy adaptation to mm. do is just like, just like a regular broad two thousands comedy. Uh, and I'm going to go with Gulliver's Travels. Oh, Jack Black. Yeah. That's why they made it. Big well, Jack Black vehicle. Yeah, sure. But it's... Uh, Emily the, Blunt. The IP is... Uh, I, I just I just looked this up uh, to confirm it. The IP is a uh, Jonathan Swift piece from the yeah. 1700s. Yep. Like, that. that's the best thing we can find <laughs> to make have Jack Black make, like, silly faces well, cause, and sound Well, because he's big and everyone else is small, so it's funny. I guess. Yeah. Apparently not. My number, my last pick is going to, I hate to do it to everyone involved, but I'm going with 2015's Black Hat. Michael Mann, Chris Hemsworth, $70 million budget, eight yeah. domestic. That is uh, that is really bad. And on the one hand, uh, you know, I have a feeling that that movie has the uh, 
one of the bigger chances of our contenders so far to be something that I'll want to watch. Yeah. It's but on the other hand, I'm glad to have a contender in here that I might want to watch. That's so I, Don't have a lot of those. That's yeah, true. Maybe I'll draft Master and Commander. No, what, I won't. What's your last pick? I, for my last pick, I'm going to uh, I'm going to double up on Depp. Ooh. I'm going to go with uh, the ever-infamous The Tourist, which, uh, you know, by purely by the numbers, again, not a... a not the biggest failure we have left, but I think it's uh, I think it's infamy gives it some uh, gives it some credence here, and uh, I don't think you can go wrong betting on depth. The tourist. All right, so our matchups for the Nora Ephron division are: the one seed Battlefield Earth will face off against the tourist. Ballistic X versus Sever takes on Black Hat. The Sorcerer's Apprentice. We'll face off against Gulliver's Travels. And Transcendence will take on 47 Ronin. Wild matchups there. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's gonna be an interesting one for sure. And I still regret letting 47 Ronin fall so far. All right, our final draft category of the episode. John Carpenter, the reboots and remakes. Here we go. Our contenders, 13 of them. Doolittle, Dumbo, Pan, The Wolfman, The Incredible Hulk, Total Recall, The Fantastic, The Fantastic Four, RoboCop, Ghost in the Shell, The Taking of Pelham One Two Three, The Stepford Wives, Peter Pan, boy, Pan's twice on here, and Point Break. All right, who has the first pick here? You uh, do. This right? one is going to be my first pick. I, uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy, I uh, do literally made seventy seven million dollars. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> right, it was twenty twenty, right in January, right before uh, everything shut down. Like I, I remember Doolittle being like a huge flop, and obviously it was. Well, it but was, like, but but I, I don't remember it making. Yeah, well, we talked million. about it on this podcast. I, I know that's just that's a lot of money. Good for Doolittle. I uh, so I'm uh, hmm, well, I. Th- think in this uh all right yeah i gotta i gotta just go i gotta just go numbers here there isn't a a a huge like narrative pick that stands out to me so i'm gonna go with 2015's pan damn it uh there what do you mean there's no narrative there the whole uh uh Rooney Mara's Tiger Lily was a big deal. Yeah, no, I, I just mean like I don't I don't see a I don't see a movie. There's not like a Battlefield Earth. Oh in yeah, this category. Well, but, I uh, disagree. I think there is, and I'll, right, I'll and I'll I'll pick it next. All right. But uh, well, then I'll let go, you uh, I'll let you cover that. But Peter Pan, not Peter Pan. Pan, excuse me. <laughs> you son of I a I do bitch. have to clarify. Uh, cost 150 million dollars, made 35 domestically, 128 yeah. globally. Joe Wright, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Yeah, that uh, that sounds right. Uh, so to speak. Yeah, I, I, uh, I got Pan. That's for me. All right. My pick, the second overall, and the one I thought you were going to take so I could take Pan. I'm going with the Battlefield Earth of this uh, division. To, you, you, you nailed it right there. The Fantastic Four. Yeah. 2015's yeah. Fantastic Four. $120 million. They kept that budget in check. That was so proud of them for that. A more grounded Fantastic Four. A great cast. 56 domestic. Terrible reviews, a mess of a third act. It's it's infamous, I think, at this point. Yeah, Josh no, Trank I, has not directed. He directed a movie last year. It was his first one in five years, and it was Capone. <laughs> it's 
some somehow worse maybe i don't know maybe might be worse i, I, th- I think it is worse yeah i uh, yeah that's a uh, yeah the fantastic four is a good call i hmm, definitely would have taken that with my next pick here so instead i will pivot away from the fantastic four which is truly truly an abomination of a movie and go with no it's too early for that though i do i do kind of want it take it uh, no I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna hope that falls to me the numbers don't support it i i'm gonna go with another uh, another movie here that i think has its uh, its fair share of infamy mm-hmm. i i do not recall the degree to which it is justified so i will assume uh, fully as i select ghost in the shell i see with uh, my third pick, part okay. of the uh, okay, part of Scarlett Johansson's unfortunate uh, unfortunate run for a while there. Sure. She uh, she stepped on some rakes. Sure. let's say, I uh, yeah, that's a uh, you know forty million on a hundred and ten million dollar budget. Right, probably shouldn't spend a hundred and ten million dollars to make the Ghost in the Shell movie. Well, I I, 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 uh, I don't know. I her, mean, like, her, her Lucy made like a hundred and forty. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a harder sell. I think Ghost in the Shell is Ghost in the Shell is a harder sell. Yeah, I th- I think it's right on that line of like recognizable as an anime adaptation to enough people that might go like I don't know, do I want to go see the anime movie? Uh while not being like quite broadly famous enough to have a to have that kind of power, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend 110 million dollars to make, a, I don't know, a Pokemon movie, or like maybe a Dragon Ball Z movie, but better than their attempt so far, that would be one thing. I think Ghost in the Shell is a tier or two below those, uh, several tiers below Pokemon, and probably a tier below Dragon Ball. I, uh, yeah, just I, I don't think it was a great idea. My next pick is Doolittle. Yeah, shit. The behind-the-scenes drama of that, Stephen Gagan directing it, even though he's a, a writer of, like, traffic and a director of dramas, them having to bring on other directors to fix this movie, the budget skyrocketing, insane, and then them, Universal trying to dump it in January, uh, where it did okay, but not enough, and so, yeah, Doolittle. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good pick. That's not the one I was talking about uh, in my last run, but I, again, I think might have just been my next pick. So now I've got to reconsider and go in a different direction. I uh, all right. I'm going to uh, you know we have the uh, we have the domestic and the uh, global grosses here uh and despite a lot of these movies being catastrophic failures it's still pretty rare that they don't even make their budget back worldwide uh and so i'm going to take the opportunity to draft the wolfman mm. which uh, very yeah. excited to watch that though yeah that uh, might joe be, johnston i think directed that it's got emily blunt anthony found. hopkins benicio del toro uh yeah rated r 150 million budget, uh, only 139 worldwide and 62 domestically. That's yeah. a that's enough for me. For my next pick, this is my last pick. I that was my no, no, it is not. For my next pick, I'm going with 2012's Total Recall. 
Okay. All right. 125 budget, 58 domestic, 198 worldwide. Trying real hard to appease the general audiences. Went PG-13 instead of the original R rating of the original and uh, just miscast. Colin Farrell's not a replacement for Schwarzenegger, directed by the guy who did Underworld. Kate Beckinsale's in it. Uh, just had bomb written all over it. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good one. I was uh, turns out I was right that my uh, my last pick fell to my last pick. I don't I don't know about this one. This is more of a uh, this is more of a narrative pick than a numbers pick. Uh, it did fine, but I think when you consider uh, the heights that it could have reached, the heights that its compatriots did reach. I, oh, I see. this was a big missed opportunity in retrospect. Uh, so I'll be taking the incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, with released a month after my, uh, Iron Man. Yeah. With my last one released a month after Iron Man. And, uh, you know, it made its budget back domestically. Uh, we just, have an MCU film yeah. in the running for the biggest, the biggest flop of the 21st century. Yeah. Which wow. is, uh, you know, when you, when you put it like that, it's just, it doesn't sound true. Uh, you know, it cost 137. It made 134, uh, 264 worldwide. So it it did fine. Didn't uh, didn't do good, but did fine. I, uh, but it's been going on uh, well over 10 years, and they have not been able to use the Hulk. Good point. As a uh, as any sort of star, he doesn't have a Disney Plus show. He'll get to show up in Thor 3 occasionally or, you know, obviously the Avengers movies. But just, like, doesn't uh, – he set, set the tone for – they set the tone for this character so early on as, like, just kind of persona non grata to the biggest franchise in the entire world. Uh, and that's uh, that's got to count for something, I think. And so that's uh, he's on he's on my team. It's bolded. It's locked in. My last pick in the John Carpenter division is a film that I think more than any of these is fail from the get go. Is red flag. Is everyone else in the room is looking at you going, why are you making these decisions? Why are you doing this? What's wrong with you? Don't you see what's happening? And they said, nope, we're doing it anyway. 2015's point. Break. Uh, expound. Go on. Well, the original Point Break isn't wasn't a big hit. It did fine, I believe. wasn't a big hit. It's true that the film has a cult status, but why did that movie hit? Was it the story of Brody and Johnny Utah, Noah? Uh, I think it was probably the uh, charisma and star power of the cast. And who's in the remake of Point Break? Nobody knows. You don't. But the first film was banking on. The star power of Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. So who's in the remake? I I, I couldn't tell you with a gun to my head. If you offered me one you mean million dollars. You, have, you haven't heard of Luke Bracey? <laughs> no, I haven't. No one has. He doesn't exist. And I know who Edgar Ramirez is. Do sure. you? I know him by name, and I, I like I might know him by face. That's why. Yeah. You are selling this solely on the name of a film that was already remade, unofficially as what? I oh god, I know this, but I the Fast I and the Furious. It. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Of course, that is. It's already been remade as a different movie, which we were supposed to do. Rip off, not remake. Yes. 
They're selling this $100 million. This was released in December entirely on the name Point Break, a film that did fine in 1991 solely because of two named people and nobody's a name in the cast. That is grade A stupidity as far as box office is concerned. Yeah, that's good. I, I also I, li- I like I like the I like the passion behind this pick. I like the. It's wild. Uh, I like I like the story there. I think you're right. It that, is wild. That 100 million worldwide is shocking, though. Like, yeah. Well, foreign rather made 133 worldwide. Sure. I. Uh, so there's a there's some there's some stuff there, but yeah, I think that I think that's a uh, that's a great case, and uh, you've convinced me. Point All right. should have been drafted earlier. And I do have to convince you. Not a lot of people know this, but I when I pick them, you have to sign off on it. Oh yeah. Which is interesting. <laughs> Our matchups. I've actually gone through and nixed a couple of your earlier picks. We're gonna have to redo this. Our, our <laughs> matchups for the John Carpenter division are Pan takes on Point Break, the Fantastic Four against the Incredible Hulk, Ghost in the Shell against Total Recall, and hold on, Doolittle. And the Wolfman, Universal Films, those last two. All right, those are half. Of, we have half of our contenders. Yeah, we have thirty-two of sixty-four chosen. Uh, in two weeks, we will begin the matchups for some of these, um, and next week we have uh, we, we can finish the draft. Very exciting. Let me uh, let me ask you a question just off the top of your head. I don't know if you've seen this movie, but uh, is forty-seven Ronin good? I don't think so. Might it be? Good? I asked Joe because okay. Joe likes the samurai thing. All right, and he said no. Okay. I, but I'm excited about it nonetheless. Oh yeah, no, I'm. I just, I'm really regret. I'm still regretting not drafting it. I, and if it was good, that would lessen the blow for you. No, well, if it was, if it was good, I think there's less of a chance that it would advance. Right. But I'm worried you got like a serious contender. At the I, may spot. I may have. I may have. I may have. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's possible. So I was, I was hoping it was like a. Like a low key, like actually, it's kind of fun. It just nobody saw it, kind of thing, and it would lose in the first round. But maybe not. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. All right, I think mercifully we need to wrap this up. Um, no, recommend a movie for the folks for this week slash weekend. All right, uh, this is not going to be a uh, you know a new release or anything because uh, not uh, not much came out, and we already recommended the Batman, but. Licorice Pizza added 200 theaters this week. Okay. Uh, and been, gave it gave it a lot of awards consideration. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance to see it, which is likely as it has only made $16.7 million to this point, I highly, highly recommend it. It's an incredibly good film. Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a preemptive one. I don't know if I'll like it or not. But I'd like everyone to see it because it's opening wide as far as I know, and I want more of it to get made. I'm going to say X, A24's Ty West horror film starring Martin Henderson from The Ring, uh, Mia Goth, um, Jenna Ortega, Scott Messicuddy, Kid Cuddy, and Brittany Snow. I cannot wait for that movie. I am incredibly excited. I wholeheartedly endorse Friday wide. Go see it. All right. Plug us up. 
You can find us at whatsintheboxoffice.com. We are on Twitter at WitBoxOffice. That is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Druke. I'm at Brian DeServer, D-A-S-U-R-B-E-R. Of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. And we do not cut our awards. Sometimes the episodes no. are long because of it. That's right. But uh, unlike the Oscars, we've learned that that's what the people want. That's what they want. Obviously, you you're here listening want. to this now. We thank you for that. We do. Next week is a big episode, my friend. It's oh going to be another long one. Love that. Um, we are having to combine two of our specialty, uh, two of our specialty things that we do. I don't know. Um, not only are you getting part two of the multiplex sadness draft, where we will be finalizing the contenders on our bracket, but we will be counting down the ten best films of the year in uh, our. Um, what is it? A round round of a pods. Yeah, what that's called. And the Colon, five baby, let that ass clap. <laughs> and the five and the five worst films of the year in Opod that sucked. We're counting down the best and the worst of twenty twenty one. Be sure to tune in plus Multiplex Sadness plus the Batman again. Yeah. Plus X. Plus X. We'll see if X makes any money. I hope it does. This has been What's in the Box Office. I have been your host, Brian. I've been your host, Noah. And until then, if you feel safe, go see a movie.